Welcome to Lack of Focus, an X-Wing Miniatures Game podcast, brought to you by Dice 8 Productions. Hello everyone and welcome once again to another episode of Lack of Focus, episode 64, Unscheduled Maintenance. I am your host Ed Horn and alongside me tonight, our producer extraordinaire, one Mr. Chris Sheriff. Chris, how's it going my friend? Good, thanks Ed. We are on a uh, a late schedule. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Sean is not going to be joining us, nor Chad, as we are recording this on a late Sunday because somebody had Call of Cthulhu and couldn't do it in our recording schedule day. <laughs> it was the so, last session, so that's, that's finished fine. now. We, we finished the campaign. I'm, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I actually uh, were going to start, well, Chris on the credits is going to start publishing that um, next week, I think. So um, 16 episodes of that to to edit and put out and stuff so that'll be fun that'll be that that sounds pretty daunting actually (laughs) (laughs) well it's all just done through craig so it's a lot easier to kind of edit and stuff just balance everyone's audio against each other and go i'm not actually editing any of the garbage out because i don't care about his production values and neither does he so (laughs) and you're just doing audio only or are you doing video as well yeah just audio only so not that that makes it so much easier Oh, does it ever? Uh, <laughs> since we stopped doing video for this and the uh, the changeover from Skype and everything, editing oh, this God. has been really, really easy compared to what it used to be. So Good. hopefully the quality has right. gone up as well, you know, maybe, who can say? Yeah, maybe, hopefully. So speaking of quality, so we've got a couple of things we're going to be going over today. Uh, in the flight deck, of course, we're going to be talking about what we've been doing, what we've been flying, all that fun stuff. We are going to front load this and pretend to be an X-Wing show for once and talk about the article, the FFG release called Unscheduled Maintenance and some point changes that may or may not have happened. Uh, and then for some bonus material, Mandalorian's back out. Season two has been out. There are two episodes released. Uh, I will, this, I'm not even going to disguise this. There will be a spoiler warning. I will give you a heads up before we get started. If you have not seen the episodes um, from of The Mandalorian and you do not want to be spoiled, that would be the point to jump out because <laughs> that because we are going to spoil the crap out of this show because we have so <laughs> much to talk about on yeah. Mandalorian season two. All right, so flight deck, Chris. We just talked a little bit about what you've been doing as far as uh, Call of Duty. What else have you been flying lately? Well, I've been flying some Y wings, some X wings, some Tie bombers, and some Tie fighters. A little bit of A wing and a little bit of interceptor. No Reapers or U wings yet, but Not that's really only in squadrons. I flew them because they were part of that one mission that I had to do. And I just like, I did, I don't know. Like the support ships in, in squadrons are, in case you don't know, he's talking about Star Wars squadrons, by the way, which is an amazing game. I don't know if we even had the opportunity to talk about it, but we, I, both of us got to participate in the, uh, the crates tournament that they had done. I just got done filling out my form for my patch. Um, yeah. But yeah, he was actually playing a game as I was hopping on. So he was, I was actually got to get the commentary as he was talking over the mission that he was flying. Fantastic game. Yeah, I really enjoy it. I've been, I had been only trying to play in like a four or a five stack of people that I knew. And it's, it's super good fun. I'm not going to lie. But then I was like, you know what? I, I want to actually get better at the game and playing with these guys who feel like they know what they're doing and being all coordinated makes it trivially easy. So I've been doing a lot of just solo queue stuff and I, I'm losing a lot more games, um, but it's still, it's still fun. I, and then I, I, I was chatting about it the other day and I feel like um, actually trying to recognize what the team's missing or doing badly and having to adapt to that mid game. So I'm 
kind of I'll come out of a game and like, okay, this build I probably don't need. I can switch it around this way, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So it's been a learning experience. I I still don't feel like I can put a team on my back, but um, <laughs> doing better. Empire is definitely playing on easy mode. Shunt is a lot more efficient than shields. Yeah, and do, do we, we were discussing this actually as you were in mid game. Um, what the advantage the Empire has, like, because the first thing that everyone says when it comes to advantage in, in squadrons is the TIE Bomber, uh, because its guns are just so good that the Y-Wing equivalent of that just doesn't even remotely come close to comparing. But that's not really the advantage you think that they have. You think it's more literally the layout of the capital ship. Yeah, so like, the, the capital ships on the, the Rebel side has got two big things. That, like, once the targeting sticks out the top... Power sticks out the bottom, and then the shield generators are two big plates on each side. So you and it's a, f- a three-dimensional space. So if you wanting to coordinate all attacking one, you all go up, you all go down, you all go left, you all go right, and you can all coordinate really easy. On the star destroyer, everything's closer together for like the two shield generators, but they're at the back, so you have to go through the star destroyer to get there. And, and all of their guns. Why I, the giant triangle of death, has all of its guns pointing forwards. Uh, you can, if you're approaching uh, the the left hand side, not all of the guns can shoot. If you're approaching the left hand side of a star destroyer, yeah, well, are you in front and to the left? Because if you are, they can all still shoot you. Yeah, they can still evaporate <laughs> so, you off the board. Yeah, yeah, but it's been good fun, and then like. The bomber, the recent patch that came out and fixed the uh, matchmaking and everything, they also took some hull off the bomber and took some hull off a reinforced hull on the bomber. So it's not quite as beefy, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter with that gun. It really doesn't. uh, The the game I just played was... I I was doing capital ship damage in my dogfight, my opening dogfight build, I'm still like just strafing the um, the carriers and living. And like, yeah, you you're not immortal. You still got to like wiggle and move a little bit and stuff. But uh, it's just so much easier to get out. Shunt all of the power from the lasers back into engines and boost away. And yeah, you're set. It's easy. <laughs> Whereas in the Y wing, it's just hard work. Yeah, yeah. It feels I- laborious flying that ship it really does things have got to be going a lot worse for me to change chassis on the imperial side than in the in the rebels i i won't play y-wing on defense unless there's a big opening for me to go and kill a load of the ai ships i'll switch to an x-wing or an a-wing um and just try and do anything else but but for the imperials i just stay in a tie bomber and just change my load out so yeah, but. But one of the things that I'm not, I have to admit that I'm not good at is switching. Like when you say switch out builds, like legitimately you have to fly for those who've never played the game, you actually have to fly back to the capital ship and switch out to a different build when you're doing it or switch out to a different ship when you're doing it. It's mid game. And me, like I die so often, like I don't have time for that. <laughs> so I've got to get better at that. I genuinely have to get better at that. Um, that having been said, like it, I don't feel like the shines come off that game yet for me. It really hasn't. It's a ton of fun. Like just be able to get in and just drop into a game real quick. It's been a ton of fun. It does sound like they got the patch fixed so that they now have the ranked play fixed. So yeah. you can't just lose and fail upward and get it, all the way still, to the next rank. It's still a little bit laborious at the moment because everyone is still in like chaos mode. It like the the rankings haven't quite settled out. 
So like, I'm still have some games where you're matched against like all new players, and then other games where you're matched against really hard players. But I'm hoping it settles down soon. I'm, I'm trying my best to ride it as much as I can, and you know, get some free ELO. But we'll see. We'll see. So obviously, you've been flying some squadrons. Anything else? Yeah. Um, I did some some painting. I think did I send you guys pictures of a Nurgle stuff? Or was that other people I was talking about? I don't recall seeing that. Um, yeah, I've, I've not posted them on the Discord yet because I'm working on them for articles for um, the Dice Eight website. I'm trying to get the work pre-done, so I want to I want to try and get ahead, which theoretically means I'm falling behind. But because I haven't been doing anything anyway, nobody knows. Like, oh, Chris yes. did an article like this week, just like last week. But if I can get like, ahead, because the painting stuff is really difficult, because Generally, I'm a relatively quick painter, but I have to like stop at every every section, go and take pictures of it, and then start again. So it's taken a lot of time just got walking to a light box, setting everything up, or waiting for one coat of paint to fully dry to get a proper picture, which I wouldn't normally do. I'd just paint a bit that wasn't wet kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I've got like three different projects on the go. So I'm trying to take pictures of all of them and just rotate. So theoretically, once all three are finished, I'll be able to do three different articles and then schedule them. And it's the same with, um, I was telling you before we started about some unboxing videos I've got planned. I still have to edit my um, Zai Clash Shuttle unboxing video. That's all recorded. I've got to actually put the video together for that. I think the... um, I've run out of the uh, the Curse of Strad campaign videos that I've pre-edited, so I need to edit Ooh. some more of those to keep keep that going. Because um, I, I think I edited three of them and just scheduled them three weeks down the line. So theoretically, that's all going well. Um, but yeah, it's good. I've got like, Jill's off work like, this week and next week because we were supposed to be going back to the UK, but that didn't happen. So all of that time I'm going to try and use to get ahead on all of this painting I've got to do, get some articles going and try and just get... Canada doesn't have a travel ban like we do, do they? Like you could uh, there's no travel ban. We could, have, we could have gone, but you have to isolate for 14 days when you get there. And then when we get back, we'd have to isolate for 14 days. So Joe would have to take a month's vacation to go back to the UK for two weeks when we'd only booked 10 days. Yeah. So the entirety of our stay would have been stuck in the house, not able to have visitors and stuff. Right? What's the point? Yeah, so what's the point exactly? And they obviously because all the flights have fucked up, they changed our direct flight from Calgary to London, got changed to an indirect flight that was an ex. It left the day later and then arrived the next day again. So 10 days turned into like nine and a half and we're flying into London. So it's traveling. So it just got stupidly not worth it. So Yep. I understand that. We elected not to travel anywhere this year. Like normally we tend to travel somewhere big once a, once a year as a family. And we did none of that this year. And yeah. I think that's the right choice. Um, like my wife's work is already talking about um, – she obviously works she works from home but the organization she works for is based out of utah and they're like hey what are the odds that you come out here in mid-january she usually makes a trip out there once a year and my wife's like uh no (laughs) it's just not happening yeah sorry it's just not happening 
No, maybe next <laughs> not, year. Not a bad idea. Yeah, maybe uh, next year. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. What else have you been doing? Um, uh, parenting as, as usual. I've actually been doing a relatively large amount of time in the store as well, which I always feel like that's what affects the dice eight stuff for more. It is like I can pivot and do the stuff that earns money to pay for dice eight, or I can do the dice eight stuff which doesn't earn money but makes it worthwhile to do. So yes. back and forth on that, you know. Um, yeah, I'm in a phase of trying to earn quicker money which means i've got to do work and can't don't have as much time for content creation unfortunately but eh, it is what it is yeah um, i know that feeling then i did some prep for the next batch of D D stuff Woo-hoo! and tomorrow I night played, yeah and i played some arkham horror uh, card game oh cool yep you have way oh. more that you've been doing than i have <laughs> my um <laughs> My flight deck is going to be extraordinarily brief. Usually it is, but more so this uh, week. We uh, stood up a brand new uh, on-prem firm solution at our organization, and it did not go well, at least not the first couple of weeks. Um, And I've spent a lot of my weekends, the time that I would usually be spending either recording magic videos for my YouTube channel or just general getting in front of a table and painting or getting in front of the PlayStation and playing squadrons, like none of that, none of that happened. So like I'm legitimately coming to the end of an extraordinarily stressful, like two and a half, three weeks. Um, So I didn't really get a ton done. I did get some painting and I did, did um, I had reached out to Chris probably about a month ago um, as I was reading over my, uh, my Necron codex and went, Oh wow. The Nightbringer is really good right now. I should pull that out. I know I have one of the old ones, the old metal ones. And then I found it and it was missing an arm. And I was super disappointed. So I started going over, well, what arms do I have that I could potentially, you know, force feed in, make it kind of work on this model, reach out to Chris. Chris was actually asking a friend of his to see if he had one floating around. And in a last ditch effort, as I was getting ready to sit down and because it, it, the getting ready to sit down and paint it and finish the paint job, I'm like, you know, let me just take another look. And I started digging through one of my bits box and lo and behold, I found the damn arm and I was so excited. I, t- I, I, I messaged Chris right away. I'm like, you're the only person that's going to be excited for me for this, but I found my damn missing arm. Um, so that was exciting. So I've got that on the paint table. It's almost done. I- I'm working on a truck stalker that I'm about three quarters of the way done. Um, I'm convinced. I am solely convinced that when I started playing Necrons, the, the MO with playing Necrons back in fourth and fifth edition era was that they were the easiest army to paint legitimately Krylon, blackwash base done that was the running joke and i swear somebody at games workshops uh paint studio uh the what do they call they have an official name what is the, the what is the official name for the paint studio for those guys i can't remember off the top of my head um Which one? for games workshop what is their official paint studio oh every metal every metal thank you somebody from the every metal team said you know I'm really tired of this moniker of Necrons having this easiest army in 40k to paint moniker. So when they came out with all of these new vehicles, the Ghost Ark and you know Doomsday Ark, the the flying croissants of the Night Scythe and Doomsday Scythe, the Triarch Stalker, all of these new vehicles that they came out with for the Necrons, they edge highlighted every hard corner on that model. And I don't know if you've ever painted a model, but edge highlighting is the most single, most time consuming thing I've ever done in painting, period. 
So now I have to go through and I've got like, oh, I got to track stalker. So I'm three quarters of the way done. The only thing I haven't done is the edge highlighting, which is going to take me an hour and a half to sit down and edge highlight every hard edge on that. And then I've got a go, uh, a doomsday arc, which again, I know this is an X-Wing show, but people might not know what this looks like, but it's basically a gigantic rib cage, which has, I don't know, a thousand hard edges that are all going to need edge highlighted. Um, so I'm not looking forward to that, but it is on my list of stuff to do. So I have gotten some painting done. I've gotten some work done. But yeah, not really a ton. I'm. It's been a stressful. It's been a stressful kind of thing uh, the last couple of weeks. So that's legitimately aside from D and D with Chris and being able to play in the the squadrons event that I got to play in. Uh, that I, I haven't really done a ton. So yeah, sorry, my flight deck's not super interesting. Uh, I I apologize, but it's not really been an interesting couple of weeks. I can tell you that. So. Let's move on to our main topic. So we've got a couple of articles that were released by Fantasy Flight Games. Do we want to go over the light one first, which is the uh, the release of the Slave One, the the fire spray release for the Republic, or not the Republic, the Separatists? Um, yeah. Thank you. So we're getting Django Fett in the game. I think we've seen this and we've gone over this before a couple of pieces. Was there anything new in this article as far as releases? I know we get to see Django himself, but I'm pretty sure we saw him at i6 um not really uh, there's uh, the zam wessel card is pretty yes. for that condition uh polka it seems like a pretty good concept which i thought was something interesting we could talk about okay so zam wessel coming in at i5 first of all i, I think I, ma- I do recall making this joke before but i'm gonna make it again i never knew that zam wessel flew a fire spray i don't know how they would know that she she had what a minute and a half of screen time in episode two. How do we, but Hey, all right. So she flew a fire spray. I didn't know that. Now I do. Yeah. Um, her so. ability. Okay. So her ability again, coming in at I five setup, lose two energy. She does have four energy on the ship itself. Uh, during the system phase, you may assign one of your secret conditions to yourself, uh, to yourself face down. And one of them, the, one of the conditions is you should thank me. Another, you'd be, you'd better you, mean business. Yeah. So you so, should. Oh, go ahead, Chris. Sorry. No, so basically, I was just going to summarize the way it works. Is like the uh, like mirrors of each other. So you should think it's effectively: Are you going to shoot me, or are you going to shoot one of my friends? Is what <laughs> it comes down to. But uh, you should thank me. Is after you defend, Zam Whistle recovers one energy. Then you may acquire a lock on the attacker. At the end of the engagement phase, if this card is faced down and you are. Uh, in the enemy ship's firing arc, you may reveal his card, spend two energy. If you do, you may perform a bonus attack. So if they shoot someone else, you get your attack. If they shoot you, you recover an energy and acquire a target lock. Which is pretty darn good. Yeah, so that's like, if you want your bonus attack, you may need to shoot someone else. Now, keep Um, in mind, that's at the end engagement phase, so that's... Bef- it's i zero effectively right it's I, yeah effectively it operates as i zero and like all the conditions all the spent tokens all that stuff is still remains the same until it gets down to i zero yeah uh this one and then you'd better mean business is the other one where you see again you re- reveal it after you defend and if you defended you may spend two charges and you get to perform a bonus attack against the person who attacked you and then if it's still face down, you get to recover two energy. So you get to do a bonus attack as long as you guess correctly. The token's, but, uh, still, the token's still the same. So again, it's in secret. They're not going to know which one of the two you've put down. Yeah, the token is to remind you that the card is there. Right. 
So you put the condition card face down next to your pilot card and the token's a visual representation on the playing surface that you have it assigned. So all the all your opponent's going to know is that one of these two conditions has been put down. You're not sure which one of the two. I kind of like that. I mean, yeah. that feels kind of scummy. It really does. It, it, it's, it's good. It's, I don't know how like broken it will be or anything like that, but it's just fun. That, that yes. mini, uh, it's playing the mini game on like Final Fantasy VII, just going like racing chuckaballs and stuff. It's just a fun little mini game. Hours, hours and hours and hours did I waste racing chocobos to get that damn gold chocobo. <laughs> yeah. Well, are you going to shoot me? Are you sure? I might shoot you back. I might. You, you not, don't know. You're not, you're not going to shoot me? Cool. I'll take that bonus attack. <laughs> oh. oh, it's good. It's just good fun. I like it. Yeah, it's a good fun. I don't know that it's necessary. Like I said, I don't know that it's competitive or broken in any way, shape, or form, but for fun, for the sheer fun factor, that's that's a lot of fun. I like yeah. it. And it's i five's pretty good. I mean, obviously Django is the i six, but then an i five. I, I like it. Mm-hmm. No, I, anything that's in a good. The fire spray is easily one of my favorite ships. It's always been kind of disappointing. That was one of the downsides with. Again, I know we keep harping back to first edition. That was one of the downsides of first edition. Um, was Boba Fett wasn't necessarily his ability never really reflected. I felt what his character did in Star Wars. Um, I mean, there were some. Uh, competitive builds you could build with the old first edition um, Boba Fett from the Imperial side. Like you can have like the, the Fettigator, like where you had Boba Fett and Navigator. Yeah, I, f- I think the problem was that it was an I-9. Yes. Oh, PS9. Yes. Yeah. For those who were only second edition only. Yes. Yeah. Like having it where it would have been PS9, you can kind of lean into that. Well, he always knows where you're going to be. He always, you know, he gets there before. Mm-hmm. He sees you leave the Star Destroyer, and he gets to Clyde City before you because he knew he knew we were going to be. He knew he knew where you were going to go. But when he, I think it was I set um, PS seven. Yeah, he was I seven. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so like, like, you, know, you, you always know where you're going to be unless I'm Han. Oh wait a minute, that makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so obviously that just means that Han Solo in the movies took push the limit. Boba Fett in the movies took veteran instincts and a bid. And a bid <laughs> to equate it to that. So that'll yeah. be exciting. Again, I like it. It's a new, it's a new, I don't know if it's necessarily a new sculpt. Uh, I definitely, a new paint a new, job. Yeah. definitely a new paint job for Django's. So yeah, no, cool. Uh, November the 27th as well. Release date for that. They're, all, they're coming thick and fast. Because was it Friday or was it last? How long have I had those models sat around for? Um, Two weeks? The other X-Wing stuff. Yeah, like um, the Thai Brute and the um, Heralds of Hope or whatever it is, uh, Squadron Pack, I've had sat around still unopened. So, But I did finish t- tidying up all of my other X-Wing stuff, so I have some lists we can talk about as well. But, um, yeah. Then, what was the other stuff? Um, Hondo seemed fun. Cause... I, think we've seen, I think we may have seen Hondo before, but let's go back. I think so, you. but it's just fun. Yeah, he's um, just a fun character. I literally just closed that out, so I apologize. That's all right. Uh, action, choose two ships at range one to three of you that are friendly to each other. You coordinate one of the chosen ships and jam the other, ignoring range restrictions. <laughs> I can do that from anywhere. Yeah. He's almost like an Emperor Palatine. Almost. <laughs> so you you still have to, they have to be at range one to three of the ship with Hondo, but it ignores right. the normal jam restriction of range one. Um, right. And the coordinate restriction of range two. 
So yeah, it's like oh, I could jam. Um, I, I think I'm gonna jam. Um, let's say this ship with um, what's it feedback or there's loads of ways of just handing off a jam token. Fine. I like you do it on a ship where it just doesn't matter. It's not gonna get shot anyway. And coordinate Benro. That's good. Or yeah. you uh, you do it to your opponents. Uh, oh, are you? Uh, are you going to stress that ship? Oh, I'll coordinate it then. And then I'm going to jam the token off that other one. Always yeah, coordinate I, the stressed ship. Yeah, no, I like that it's not restrict. It's not restricted to just your opponent. You could do it to your own ships as well. So there is a ton of flexibility in the card. Yeah, and it, it fits so well for Hondo as a, like, yep. his personality from Rebels, and it's good fun. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else new out of this one? Again, I know I'm not necessarily up in all the times. I know we saw Boba before. I know we saw... I'm pretty sure we've seen Weapon sy- uh, Systems Officer before. Or is that um, new? I think that's new. I don't remember seeing that one. After you perform a special attack with the target lock requirement, you may acquire a lock on a defender. So yeah, you on- can actually spend your locks on on the missiles and, may- and maintain it. So Yeah, exactly. That's really cool. Yeah. And then false transponder codes as well. I think they were new. Yeah, okay. After that you, was the... Yeah. After you acquire a lock on an object, or an object acquires a lock on you, if you have a charge active, you can lose one charge and jam that object, ignoring range restrictions. So, again, pretty good. Interesting how they did the verbiage for object. I know that that is so... intended to be mostly ships, but there are other things in the games that are considered to be quote-unquote objects. So everything in the game is an object. Uh, every piece that can interact with stuff is an object. So like asteroids, debris, um, remotes, uh, gas coids, ships, huge Bug ships. Yeah. All, yeah, all of those are objects. Um, well, yeah. Um, I mean, it's I have... the easiest way of doing it and keeping the design space open is you just say object. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a feeling there's some flexibility with this later on down the line. I just, I kind of wish there was a way to put an illicit on a an E wing with its infinite range target locks. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you've got one job, and that job is once a game you get to false transponder code someone. <laughs> I'm gonna lock onto you from the other corner of the board and then jam you. Oh, that was Aww. like a billion points to do this. Did it work? No. Okay. Sad times. Yeah. But it was fun. Yeah. But it was fun. All right, let's get to the big one, shall we? The namesake of the episode. Unscheduled Unscheduled maintenance. maintenance. Yeah, let's do it. I'm in. So we've had some adjustments. So I think we should preface it, because we are probably one of the few X-Wing podcasts that really didn't care about a Nantex like menace as it plagued the online events that Dion was running. Mm-hmm. I, I, whatever, man. I was of the opinion that it was probably more crack shot and predator being available on them as cheap EPTs that were like pushing them over and like says a lot about the power of crack shot when you right. spam it and, and all of that stuff. But yeah, six Nantex at I4 with crack shot. Predator on most of them, or you could drop one of the ships down to a hyena or something. But that archetype of a list where people, for some reason, just fly into them and joist them with with the bullseyes and then wonder why the, I, the, the 
the six initiative four ships with three primary attack die are killing them. Well, I, I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> um, but yeah, we haven't really complained about it too much. We because it definitely is a, a I'm not going to say high end competitive play problem, but it's a if you don't have the ability to talk to your opponent, say, "Come on, buddy, I, I'm not interested in playing in, against Nantex again. Do you want to run something else?" Mm-hmm. Then it's a problem. But yeah. I don't like we don't have that problem because we're privileged enough to be able to like discuss what games we want to play with our friends. You know, crazy concept as that may be. Well, and this is also a result of the fact that like there's not legitimately, at least here in the US, the ability to actually physically go to tournaments. So the only I think that the interesting part for this is the only place that this is really popping up has been on these online events, which our friends over at FFG don't really recognize. Um, which is fine. I totally understand it, and I understand the reasonings behind it. I'm not disagreeing with the, their reasonings, but they're still kind of keeping an eye on things and going, hmm, this is a problem. Hi. It's, they say in the article that like, they probably would have won big events if there were any. And, yeah, uh, agree. It, and I agree with that. I do agree with that statement. Uh, and it, it's definitely down to like a negative feeling against newer players, like the triple ups on that. So I... I don't mind this like middle points change. I I applaud it if anything. Yep, um, same here. I, it's just good. So what, what was it? The, the lines I found pretty uh, pretty telling from it. Um, so yeah, the six Nantex. Sorry, the six Nantex West would surely have been a contender at the top tables of events this fall. More significantly to change to this change though, the list. Raw efficiency makes it a gatekeeper that pushes players to seek increasingly niche strategies to tackle it. So it's not its not that it, it's massively overpowered. It's the fact that it has a warping effect on the meta that can lead to unfun gameplay, is what yes. I read from. That's the takeaway I get from that. that no, they don't mind it being good as long as it's good in like the conventional sense, but the fact that people were having to change and move away too much from what they find fun so turns out whining on the internet is a valid tactic you know <laughs> all when, of those times when it's justified all of those times when i used to say when you're building a list in first edition if your list can't kill a y-wing in a single round of shooting you're just gonna lose to tlts apparently what i should have been doing is complaining that tlts were overpowered and broken and hope that ffg just change the points for them you know well, back in those days, they didn't do that kind of thing. We were kind of I stuck know. with those. I mean, it does bring up an interesting conundrum, though. So for the quad TLT lists, we had to have those discussions, and a baseline of list building in competitive X-Wing was, can I actually kill a Y-Wing in a single round of shooting? Mm-hmm. Because if I can't, I probably lose to quad TLTs. Yep, I remember those days. When yeah. that thing came out, that was a nightmare. So is this similar? And uh, if they'd have just been able to change the points of TLT, would you have uh, whined enough that, that TLT becomes irrelevant? You can't. You can no longer fit quad Y-wing TLTs in the list anymore, so you don't need to worry about it. So you have six months where you just embrace it, you run it yourself because it's the best, and then once it's not, you just move on to the next thing. So or do you? It... So I suppose the real question, without beating around the bush, is 
Does the points changes stifle innovation? No, I don't think it does. And so here's, as a competitive community, and again, we are well outside of that. We're, we're barely in the orbit of, <laughs> of that, to say the least. This is because he remembers me reckoning him for all of those magic terms last last episode. <laughs> he did, he did. Um, <laughs> I think you a it's encouraging that an organization um, pays attention and listens to the fans and says, "Hey, this isn't doesn't feel right." Um, and again, I know I always fall back to 40k, but there were some dark, dark days um, when playing competitive 40k, where Games Workshop's motto was, "We're a models company, not a games company. We don't really care." And they would release things horrendously broken that would warp the meta. And there was nothing, nothing that they would do to even course correct that until the next codex came out for that army. And then maybe they would address those issues. But codices back then were years, sometimes a decade plus in between one release and the other. So you're kind of just stuck with it. First edition. I was a Dark Angels player and for like, Two and a half editions they did the Dark Angels Codex first as part of a new, not for the first Codex released, but they, they changed design philosophies with the Dark Angels book and then decided it was a terrible idea and made the game unfun and boring. <laughs> all right, oh, all right, cool. So, can I get a new Codex? No, oh, all right, no, thanks, I no. suppose. Yep, or, you, or you're the poor Dark Eldar and you got a Codex in third Out edition. They're not Third really, edition? They're not really people. <laughs> My point being no, is they went almost all the way into sixth edition. They went through three editions of the game and still had the same guy. Like everyone else has got these brand new shiny hardback codexes and they've still got their old 28 page codex. It was yeah. hysterical. It was always funny to watch those poor, poor Dark Angels players trying to play it or Dark or Dark Eldar players trying to play games. My point being is that Granted, these aren't official FFG events. They're seeing the meta. They're seeing what's happening and going, okay, so there needs to be a a bit of an adjustment here. Part of running a safe and stable meta, I mean, and again, I know I'm going to draw the magic part of this one. Even if the designers themselves feel that there isn't necessarily a problem, if there's enough people that this stymies and there's enough lists that it forces a meta to bend itself around that particular list, that's where the problems are going to come in. Yeah. So no, I agree. In, in, in and of itself, is the list that necessarily broken? No, not necessarily. There are ways to beat it and it can be beaten. What it does, though, is it really narrows the focus on what's going to be run because they're going to be lists that are either A, designed to beat that list, or B, designed to beat the list that beats the Namtac list. <laughs> Which gets yeah. you into that which gets you into that rock, paper, scissors scenario, which if you're really interested in um, variety in a competitive environment, having only three types of list is not variety. That is that is a stagnant meta. That is like almost the definition of a stagnant meta. Yeah. It's one list that everyone's beating and one list that everyone's trying to play, play to beat the list to beat that list. The end. Yeah, I agree. And so then, I, I didn't even see in the article what they changed the points to. Like, so what is the, because I will not be like. So Chris, you can now, I have it, unsurprisingly, I have it open in front of me. Um, so you can no longer run, um, let's put it as extended just so I can, come on quick, stupid squad builder. <laughs> um, where has it gone? So yeah, the Petrani, Petranaki, Petranaki. Petranaki Arena Race. So I'm going to go yeah, with. Yeah, that sounds good. Petranaki. Yeah, well, we're sticking with that. It's 35 points now, so you can't run six of them anymore. 
So the Which question I, really I gonna... personally think is a. I think that six initiative fours without upgrades is probably too good. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like that should have been a problem to begin with, let alone the upgrades well, that go with it. I don't think that it would have been meta changing. I just think it pushes out every other swarm. I think Agreed. that they would still lose games to like aces and stuff. If you could if you could take six of them with no upgrades, I think they'd still lose to good lists. But I, I don't think there's any point in running like why would you take vultures at that point? Because even the initiative three ones just everything just dies to them. Right. So I'm I kind of have this gut feel and I might be wrong. I'm not like I've put no real like experimentation into it. But I feel like five ships at initiative four should probably be a limit. Or oh, oh, clarifying, I suppose, is a clarifying statement of the same chassis. Yeah. Like have, having to be able being able to squeeze a sixth ship in is okay. But I don't know. There's just something about spamming it that's felt bad. Oh. <laughs> mm, I don't know. Um but you can do the you can get five Dagler Oh, damn it. Why is Chad not here? <laughs> Stalgasin. Hive Guard. You can get five of those with Crack Shop. And then my preference would be... Um, no. I suppose I can't really say my preference. I was chatting with Paul uh, Heaver. He was saying it. Probably DFS 311. But I mean... I've got a soft... That's one of my favourite vultures. That's the one where, at the start of engagement, you can throw your calculate to somebody else. Right. I just think that's good. And you could do that with struts and just park it on a rock and throw... Like, everyone gets a calculate token, just one at a time. Um, but uh, I think people have been running uh, Techno Union Bomber just for a, a little bit of beef in uh, five, hit, five hit points and initiative one blocker. But So you can still get a six-ship swarm. I don't think... And they talk about it in the article, like the... The archetype isn't dead. It's just probably reined into back in line. I, I've not looked at any results from whatever, I think it's Coruscant this weekend, like the final tournament that everyone qualified for, for Dion's online thing. So I'm not, I have no idea what's won and what's been doing well. I haven't really been paying attention because, I mean, lynch me if you like, but it's online X-Wing. It's got a fucking grip, you absolute losers. <laughs> like... If I was going to spend six six hours sat in front of a computer playing X-Wing, it would be in an X-Wing in squadrons. How people are choosing to play a tabletop simulator for that amount of time, I have no idea. That can't be fun, man. Can't be. Can't uh, it be. can't be. Uh, the best part of the X-Wing events is getting crushed in like 20 minutes and going getting beer and chatting. Yep. Oh, no, I win in a close game. It's fine. You know, those are fun too. But let's be honest, it, it's the part after the event's finished. Like, what do you remember from Nova Open? Do you remember your games? Or do you remember like hanging out with Sean in the hot tub? And, yep. Um, exactly. Or, you know what I mean? Or doing the... the going, to, the, going to lunch with uh, Wade and uh, Max Brooks. Uh, yeah. Not, uh, Frank. Was it Max? Frank, Frank. Frank. I was, yeah, going going to going to dinner with those guys and just chilling yeah. and be about yeah, Buffalo stuff. Wild Wings, having a nice nice meal and chatting about X Wing stuff, or um, yeah, going to the lounge upstairs and having the band on and 
Those are the memories you take. Chilling with Mike Brandt. Yeah, heck yeah. Yeah. Those are the memories from those events. The games are irrelevant. So why would you subject it? And fair play to Dion. There's obviously an audience of the. Yeah, absolutely. There's obviously an audience for it, but man, it's not me. Keeping in mind, like, I, I love Dion. He's a fantastic person. And I think he's kind of. What's the word? How, how do I want to word this? He's carved out a niche for himself because normally what he'd been doing, he walked away from like doing normal jobs to be able to go to event to event, oh, to yeah. event and live stream. So like when we all went into lockdown and there were no live events, he was kind of in a pickle. Like, well, how do I keep this going? So I don't fault him for, for oh, my, not, not migrating it over like, to that. Um, that's not the takeaway from the conversation. Oh, no. I I wouldn't have. Right, there's a reason why. No, I, I I bloody hope this was the last event of this series, and I'm not shit talking it. Like when it's a penultimate one or something. But you know what I mean. Like, there's a reason why I waited till the end to talk about this kind of stuff because like, I'm sure. I, well, in fact, I know for a fact that our listeners have played in it and enjoyed it. But for me, I've seen more like bad feelings from these games about different lists or like oh my dice were terrible and i think because you lose that face-to-face aspect and fucking um tabletop simulator gives you a dice look number at the end but it's just it's a contrived number that doesn't mean anything but it gives people something to point at instead of self-reflection mm-hmm. and i just i think it's it's in a line with like social media in general, which you know, follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all <laughs> of this stuff. You know, definitely don't delete all of your accounts. I would love all of that money. So get make me an influencer, get me YouTube followers, Patreon's awesome. But um like it's just one of those things, it's just bad for your psyche. It puts you in a bad place mentally when you like you can't even sit down and like enjoy the time with your opponent because it's through the screen and then some number comes up and it's like yeah that, that looks shit had like three better luck than me uh, three luck what is three luck like <laughs> oh I, I yeah i had a seven he had a 14 i, I had a negative one he had a 12 i just oh. <sighs> yeah yeah you had bad luck but your list was a bit shit wasn't it yeah Matt. Matt, your list was a bit shit, wasn't it? <laughs> Don't know why I'm looking in the camera giving Ed Vebo either. Cause like, <laughs> Ed, Ed did nothing wrong here, but he gets a stink eye, Matt. It's your fault. <laughs> so point B, so I guess my question is, does this push the list out? Um, Are people just going to so shift gears and still run six and run five with another ship? So that's a twin but a, a, a difficult question because yes it pushes the list out in the not everyone will run it because it's more balanced is it is it still good i think so yeah, yeah. i think and that's exactly the, where i was going i think the five initiative three ones with crack shop and 25 points left over or even i personally think four with crack shop and then something else is probably fine as well I tend I tend to agree. Like if they're good, they're good for a reason. They're a good ship. Just having six of them makes it even overemphasizes how good that ship is. Flying four in something else, either an ace or some beef in there to be able to to soak up some hits or 
throw out some artillery with some of the the missiles and stuff. I mean, could be combination to still get that list going. Can you do? So you could do. I'm gonna. So I don't want to kind of like mess around too much on the squad builder, but mm-hmm. like, yeah, no, that one doesn't work. Where are you? Something like I don't know. No, that's too many points. Yeah, I think we're waiting for something like Django to come out. Yeah, you know what I mean? like, we're, we're waiting for the rest of the stuff to arrive to just beef out the faction a little bit. But like, you could run four of them and then still get a bunch of like you could take some precise hunters with concussions. Not concussion. Um, what do you call them? Energy shells. Yeah, twenty-eight. Yeah, that works. That'll that'll do. Why not? Um, do I infuse his munitions? Um, yeah, well, we'll say munitions because we're bad at the game and just like taking bad upgrades. Why not? Why not? So, energy shells, and and this is why you should always listen to us, folks, because we admit that we're bad at the game. I don't lie to you, but yeah, that gives you a two point bid. You're all initiative three, and you all have like some bullseye ability. Um, so yeah, like the precise hunters are the ones that effectively get the free reroll if they're in your bullseye. So your energy shell them. Right. So yeah, you're still looking for bullseyes, and then you've still got four of the ships that can reposition and have the turret. So I think that that's probably still fine. Like if you're playing down your local club, you're still going to crush face with that because people still just fly into it like morons and die. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just. Put those two vultures at the back, one on each corner, and one of them will be in bullseye or something. And then it takes away a range bonus because it's missiles. And yeah, you, mm-hmm. you, it's all gravy from that point on, man. Don't worry about it. Yep. But there's so much stuff that you can do. And I I get it. The, there was so much focus on Sunfak and um, Ensnare that kind of it took some of the gloss off the platform. Because it's still a four-hole ship with three agility, a three-dice primary. I'm like, bullseye's not as difficult as you think it is to use because, okay, I think we've spoken about this in the past, X-Wing's played on a grid. Once your ships are down, they're staying on that grid. If they don't, it's because you're playing swappily. So, you know, play better, I don't know. But, yeah, right. I I don't know. I don't... What do you think? Are, Are you worried... Well, so again, I'm probably the one of the worst people to answer this question because it's not necessarily in my sphere of influence. The next time I play X-Wing is going to be probably against you or Sean or Chad. Well, whenever we we should really, and I've talked about this for a year, that we genuinely should, especially now in these times, not being able to get out and play, not everyone gets the the luxury of living in a, hmm, try not to get political here, but a country that is not necessarily having the same issues that we are containing the virus that shall not be named um and being able to actually get out to a game store and actually be able to physically play i've wanted to do for a long time like a a, some type of internal challenge of the 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 game here so most likely the people i'm going to be playing x-wing against are you guys and we could just elect ahead of time that's a shit list we're not going to play that pick something else Uh, i'm more a fan of we all think this is a really really good list let's make one of us play and see if we can beat it yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, that I like that. But, but like, we acknowledge it on the way in, and I, I, I think there's enough there now that I, if I'm playing a swarm, I'm 
if I'm taking initiative three, Swarm, you're probably still beating me. You've had to lose at least two crack shots on the list, so I'm not as worried about flying my eight F or Swarm into it. Is that the problem? That? The crack shot is what kills them. See, oh. I like that list though. I like that that eight FO list though. I really do. But that's just yeah. me loving tie swarms. <laughs> that's my well, internal. I mean, I mean, we can kind of pivot onto it because, like, one of my lists in my binder is in fact eight FOs. I I, it's packed list. up, ready to play. It's really imaginative. I mean, I can show you. <laughs> look at it. It's just eight FOs. <laughs> but yeah, I I just I think. Once you had like six crack shot, you're just done because you put your ships down first, so your they can be on the same grid line as you. So you have to to try and get out of ever being able to get. I'm going to say easy. I don't mean easy, but to make it harder to get um, a bullseye on you, you're effectively having to cheat because you you've got to use as much wiggle room as you can and kind of sloppily play just to get off those because 45 degree 90 degree turns is all you've got so it it's just a feels bad man kind of thing and then yeah having that many crack shot on three three attack die ships it's you're going to probably lose two in that opener exchange which means you probably don't kill one back and you get it's just that back and forth on it that you were just kind of behind on that race only having four crack shots on the table probably means that you can't spend more than two on the same ship, which means there's a chance that I only lose one or I might not even lose any. And that's when it gets into an actual game. Yes. Well, we, I, I'm still saying we should try it out. Put it on the table, yeah, we should try it out. Oh, we, we can. Well, I'm in. I'm in. I think it's a good idea. Um, I don't want to talk about... Because uh, my stuff's still in the box. I've not looked at the list for those yet, but the uh, the new A-wings seem interesting, but I've not done any building with them. But, I mean, I'll go over my new lists because I kind of, I think, I feel like there's some interesting stuff in in here that people might want to try. Um, I'm listening. I'm all ears. So I'm going to open with the one that I just think you'll like. So my opening offer for you, Ed, as a list is a first order list. You had a little bit of everything. So I have two TIE silencers, the Cyanide Janus Engineers, the Initiative 1 silencer, mm-hmm. with automated target priority for a point. So that's the, you have to shoot something in the closest range band to you. So you you can still pick, if there's two ships at range 1, you can still pick which one you shoot, but you can't shoot something at range 3 if you've got something at range 2. You have to shoot the closer one. Gotcha. But if you miss, you put a calculate token on the card, and then before you engage, you move a calculate token off the card onto your ship. Oh, I remember so, that. Okay. Yeah, it's just it, it's a point. I'm not over concerned. Uh, it, I don't feel like it's going to be game changing. I, I don't feel like it handicaps me by having to choose choose the closest ship. And if I manage to get an extra calculate token, because in honesty, I'm going to be focusing and then spending that focus on defense because I'm an initiative one ship. Right. So even though it's a three attack die ship, having the ability to, yeah, I fluff the first shot, but after that, I'm always going to have at least one calculate token. So that's my theory. That's my thinking. And they're both 49 points. And I still have agility three with a focus token that you can always spend on defense now. Because mm-hmm. you're always going to uh, have it. Yep, so I think that's good. Then we've got um, the First Order Courier, which is the 
Zai Class White Shuttle Initiative 2 one with no ability. And I put the Agent Trex on there, which was the double-sided one. Yeah. Um, so his first side is, let's pull it up so I don't get it wrong. But it's in during setup, you um, place three calculate tokens on him. And let's just make sure I'm not lying. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, there we go. So you equip him this side up, place three calculate tokens on the card, and at the start of the engagement phase, you may choose a friendly ship at range zero to three and remove one calculate token from this and put a calculate token on the other one. So that remember that first turn where I said that I might not have a calculate token on him because I've not missed yet? I've turned mm-hmm. out I can just give him one, it's fine. Don't we yeah, just start that. Yeah, just start that over right now. Yep. Or you could target lock and have a calculate token. It's all good. And then once you've used it three times, you flip it over. And this is the actual side I think is better. So during the system phase, roll one attack die. On a hit or a crit, you gain a calculate token. Otherwise, you gain a jam token. So there's 50-50 chance of me gaining the calculate or a jam. I'm getting one or the other 100% of the time. Right. If I get a calculate... As an action, I can transfer it to a ship as it range zero to three. So not as good. I would probably keep it to whatever, doesn't matter. But if I roll a jam, I can, as an action, transfer it to a ship at range zero to three. <laughs> doesn't have to be a friendly ship. Yep, exactly. Uh, I will happily forgo my action on this ship to hand out jam tokens to people at range three. Yep. I'm, I'm in. I'm okay with that. It's fine. Yeah, totally. And then, then the final ship is Major Vonreg in the TIE Interceptor for some Initiative 6 shenanigans. No upgrades on him, because I've got a three-point bid. But now, if you're not sold on those automated targeting priorities, you could free up a couple of points to get him, like, crack shot or whatever. Or if you want a smaller bid, you could do something there. But I think that's the list you would enjoy. Ooh. You've got your high initiative ace. You've got your support ship with a funky ability from a crew card. And then you've <laughs> got two... Solid maneuverable ships. Like it's still yeah, the silence is still no joke. Yeah, it's a chunk of hit points behind three, three agility. Attack yeah, three attack types, three agility. Like what? Four hull, two shields. What, what more do you want? I mean, it's just good. Uh, you it's can good. boost and barrel roll them in the same turn, and then give them a calculate token. It's all good. <laughs> I just think that should be a fun list to play. It could be a fun list to play. You have to give that a shot. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping that some of these lists actually got played because I made these lists like two weeks ago and just haven't spoken about them yet. So, Ooh. then there was my tryhard list. That's the Imperial uh, Ace list, if I remember yeah. correctly. Um, so, I've swapped it around this a little bit. This list I like. This list I really like, by the way. So, I did change it a little bit because I wanted um, just more stuff on different things. So, Grand Inquisitor with no upgrades. He used to have Brilliant Evasion, because I really wanted to run him with Brilliant Evasion. But yeah, I was like, uh, Brilliant Evasion is just it. terrible. It's just so bad. It, it's, it's, so, it's too bad for me to even meme on running it. So, Grand Inquisitor If I remember correctly, the Inquisitor is basically there like, come on, you know you want to shoot him. You know you want to shoot him. You really want to shoot him. No, but that's why Brilliant Evasion is fun, because if you did roll a two focus, you spend one force and turn them both. But it's still like th- it's three points, and I just can't justify it. So then, Whisper, Fifth Brother, Passive Senses, Cynthia Fell, Shield Upgrade, Hull Upgrade, and Predator. Yeah. So if I drop Predator off Fell, I can get Brilliant Evasion and no bid because I'm 199 points. So I have one point bid. 
My theory being that I only care about a bid if you have I6s, and I'm fairly confident, unless you have like three I6s, that I can outjoist you. Yeah. So even if you if you beat my one point bid, I don't care. I will just joist you and beat you anyway, because like that's a whole chunk of hit points and things and yeah, whatever. A little diff- little difficult to get off the board. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think the good thing about this from an actual plane, I wanna say this I, this is definitely just self-aggrandizement and like fluffing my own ego of like getting good at X Wing is there's lots of different things to think about depending on how many I-5s compared to I-6s they have. Like if they only have I-5s but move after your I-5s, the list plays differently to if you if everything moves last and that kind of thing. So there's lots of scope to get to play this list and improve with it. But that makes it sound like the list would be challenging to play. It's not because you just generally you're playing against people where you're all moving last and you just win. It's fun. Like winning's fun. I'm not going to lie. Winning's a theme, right? <laughs> it's good. I'm fully on board. Then I think I spoke about my Warthog Swarm already. I'm not going to cover that one again. Yeah, I think we've heard that one. Yeah. And then I think, I think did I do my um, my my five initiative one resistance list? No, I don't remember this one. It's, so this one um, could be interesting. So anyone listening should definitely forward this to Chris Owen because I promised him from now on 100% of my resistance lists are going to include Heroic. (laughs) Guys, it's so good. It's the best card ever. The value is astounding. Value time. One point, Ed, and it's like buying insurance. I could blank out, but then I didn't because I had Heroic and I feel so good about life and it's brilliant. (laughs) Why wouldn't why wouldn't you take it? So I've taken on every it, ship on every on, ship. Chris? No, no, just on my initiative one A wings. Just on your initiative ones. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you're buying the I value mean, that, That's where I buy my insurance. You know, on the the garbage stuff that doesn't need it. You know, <laughs> like I'm not going to put insurance on my house because that shit's expensive. But like putting insurance on like Evie's bike, what we got for like seventy dollars. That's probably what I'd insure. Yeah, yeah, right there. Um, so heroic on everything. You know. Um, that's good. Uh, so two A wings with heroic and advanced optics at initiative one. Two X wings with BB astromechs and S foils. So they get a little pre-move barrel roll. Just to I, I like the one bank. So the barrel roll backwards and one bank the other way to kind of widen your arc a little bit helps when you're playing against aces, which are going to try and come in past you. It helps just keep that arc wide because. If you think about barrel rolling backwards and banking back in compared to just banking in and then barrel yes. rolling, you're a little bit further. The positioning's slightly different. You've got to put it on the table to see what I'm kind of talking about. <laughs> but it does help you. It's Generally, it's the difference between them being in range two or range three or being able to boost out of arc and stuff like that. It kind of just changes that pattern a little bit. Then a logistics division pilot with tractor beam, automated targeting priority, and the R4 astromech. So makes his turns easier. Tractor beam because they're only shift one, so he can try and shoot first to pull them around and make it easy for everyone else to hit. And yeah, and I have a two-point bid because there's nothing else to spend points on. 
I could all. change retractor beam to ion, which I was tempted to buy for a little while, but actually having the bid for the initiative one matchup is relatively important because I want my actions. Yes. Yes, I agree. Now, so, so that the make sure I got that list correct. So it's down to it's two A's, two X's, and a B. Um, the, it's the um, the resistance transport. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So generally, that hangs back a little bit and is there to hand out the coordinate to a person you think is going to have the best shot, or to add the tractor beam shot to facilitate just wrecking someone. But yeah, I. This no, is. I like that. It's One actually. One of my favorite lists from first edition was the old 4B1Z. Like, yeah. I used to really like that list. They were all, you know, if we were to make it in second edition, uh, they were all initiative uh, one or two. They were all, but there was a lot of beef to go through there and a lot of red dice to chew through on that one. I like that I, list. That was a good list. This is good. I've, I've, this is the one I. I it's been a long time since I've been excited to fly a resistance list. I find squad building for resistance extremely difficult, mm-hmm. but I really want to fly this list. Sorry, I should quantify that. I find squad building outside of just picking different named A-wings difficult in resistance. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, we could play that game right now. Extended resistance. Uh, Z2 A-wing. Let's start with pop and work down. It's easy. Talison, we will. Okay, there, there's three initiative fives. Good. Uh, anyone else want to be an initiative five pilot? Make that's all the only <laughs> thing you need to make it into my list. Niam Num, okay, good. Niam Num, oh, we've got 25 points left. I could suppose I could put some upgrades on ships now. Yeah, maybe, maybe. You don't have right. to. Why? Why would you do this to me, FFG? <laughs> oh, it just it sickens me. One, two, Three initiative five A wings. See, there you go. And, and eighty points. I mean, like the list writes itself. Ed, you could. Yep. Add. There's no, yeah. no more work. If, if you going. don't, if I don't start with three initiative five A wings, <laughs> um, <laughs> resistance squad building is difficult for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What else yeah. is in your bag of tricks? Oh, that's I haven't done as many. I think we spoke about a couple of the other lists, but yeah, that that resistance one and the first order, what the four ship first order one is the ones I'm really excited to get on the table. The Imperial Ace is one I've kind of flown variations of it in the past, either like Vader instead of Whisper or Vader instead of Fell. I've done a lot mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff, so it's not new. That's if I turn up. Uh, what am I talking about? When we don't have game nights at the moment, but like. If someone's coming around for a game or whatever and they want a real game, that's a list I'd put on the table. But experimenting with those other two, I feel like they could be really good fun games. Because there's yeah, a no little worries, bit worries. of a little bit of everything in that first order squad. You know, some some proper support ship action, some fun flying with the silences and just the idea of the ace and the two crappy initiative wingmen. It just it it gets the juices flowing. No. Absolutely. Uh, and then, yeah, that resistance one, I think, would be good fun as well, because there's lots to uh, to play around with there. Right. They can all do something, so it's just leveraging something that they can do. No, I like it. I like it. Again, like I said, I think we really need to get back to playing some games on Vassal. We can trust. We can test all these out. Although you yeah. have them in your box whenever you actually physically go to a game store, like, you know, we used to back in the days. <laughs> 
It's okay. I heard that once the Democrats won the election, that they were going to release a vaccine. So you guys should be out and about in a couple of weeks. Should be oh, fine. Yeah. Like they're not even going to talk about it on the news anymore. Like it's, uh, it's, it's all done gone. Co- co- COVID's over. It's all fake. Democrats won now. So yep, get on it. Yep. Not just because you said you were going to not talk politics. I'll just drop those bombshells. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I was trying to keep politics out of it, but okay. And that having been said, oh boy, am I glad this week's over. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. We have an acceptance oh. speech. It's over. It's nothing but left but the crying at this juncture. Whether you red or blue, I don't care which way you voted. Let's move on. <laughs> Just uh, do, your, do your speeches from the four seasons. It's fine. <laughs> the parking lot of the four seasons. All right. Can we talk about that? All right. I've, we literally <laughs> just had this conversation with my at dinner tonight because my kids and I were all having this conversation. I'm trying to imagine what it must have been like to have been the person who owns the four season landscaping company to get a call from a political party to say, we would like to do our press conference there. Like they had to have been like in no the care. parking lot. Like, no. like I mean, sure, if you want to come down here, absolutely. But like, yeah, do like, what you want, man. It's, it's a free country. Like, I'm trying to wrap my head around that. Like, it's at no point in time did anybody at all say, you know, this is a landscaping company, right? Nobody said that. And then hours before that that press conference happened. Somebody from the Trump team went there and started setting up and went, you know, this is a parking lot, right? How is it? This is where we're told we're doing it. Like nobody registered that at no point in time. I can't fathom that. I mean, it's almost like four years of being told to not ask questions and just do your job. Kind of. (laughs) (laughs) That is easily the funniest thing. I'm Of course, my wife has this theory that the owner of the Four Seasons Landscaping Company was a Democrat and went, this is going to be hysterical. We absolutely have to let this happen. (laughs) And then at some point in time, everyone showed up and they're like, all right, we're doing this in the parking lot, you know, right next to the porn store and the crematorium. I I like to think that there is not a world in which I would have thought that that was okay and I would have just not done it. Well, that's what. That, so that's what. I, that's what my son said. He's like, you know, when they started setting up for this and realized they clearly did not book the four. Not even, not even setting up. Like when the guy who's going to speak arrives uh, and looks around and it's just like, you know what, this is a bad idea. Yeah, we shouldn't do this. This is a optics wise. This is a bad look for us. We shouldn't what? do this. We we should, in fact, go back to the hotel that I'm sure we're staying in. And do it from one of like the room there. We'll just put out the video, and then not take questions. I don't know. Like, yeah, like there are so, so many. Surely, different ways. the first question in that press conference is, "Why are we here?" <laughs> so not no, as in here, this place right now. Yeah, this location right now. Why are we here? Yeah. I, 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 I just, oh. I don't, I don't. I'm sure it's not the first. I, and again, I'm sure. By President elect Biden will have his own faux pas during the course of his time frame. But like that just screams to me that there were like you said, there was an entire culture for four years of being told just shut up and do your job. Somebody somewhere made a phone call and picked the wrong place on Google and that's where they call. <laughs> like uh, I'm, I'm it's fine. I'm I'm excited uh, to see what needs to happen for people to reminisce about Trump the same way we do about George W. Bush now? 
<laughs> I remember how bad people used to tell me that Bush was. Yes. And how people talk about him now. Oh, so, yes. Like, down the line, like, some, some something is going to happen to be that bad where people tell me the same things they tell me about Bush now about Trump. Like, oh, and I'll just be like, yeah, day. yeah, cool. I, I mean, yeah, 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 good, yeah, okay, yeah. Your life is really hard. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah, I get it. No, and and then somehow uh, the conversation will still end with a thanks, Obama. <laughs> somehow, somehow, some way, and it's still going to be Hillary's fault. Let's just throw that out there. Oh, All I mean, right, so completely derailed. <laughs> we've just no. lost like a quarter of our listeners. It's fine. I'm sure. I, again, I don't, I legitimately, I don't care. I don't care. If red, blue, I, as long as you want to have voted, we had more people in this country vote than has ever voted before, which is fantastic. I think that's Yeah, great. only like 5% of them were dead. It's fine. And please provide evidence for that in court. Oh, wait, you don't have any? Oh, then why are you here? Oh, well, I'm not going to call. I'm just, I'm just talking shit on a podcast, man. I don't need to provide any evidence for anything I say ever. I can tell people that I'm good at X-wing. Don't need to provide any evidence. It's fine. Like, it yeah, might if be, you, it I, might I, I promise you, folks, if you run four four Nantex now and then two Vultures, it's good. I said it on a podcast. I don't need to provide evidence. You guys can go and play it and then give me feedback and tell me I'm wrong. I'm in. I will it, accept being wrong. We can have a discourse and it's good. I, See, it's I, all I'm content. I'm just saying when you show up to a court of law to provide evidence for a case, you might actually want to bring that evidence with you. I, I'm just, I'm just saying it must have been. It must have been. So, yeah, that was a thing. That <laughs> happened. All right. Oh, well. So now so, is uh, the time. So oh, before we do it, I was going to say, obviously, we're about to move on to Mandalorian, have some spoilers and stuff. So anyone who is switching off now, just want to say thanks for listening, everyone. You know, check us out on Facebook, do all of that stuff. Patreon's awesome. You guys are amazing. I'm working with um, one of our patrons at the moment. Oh, and I, prom- I promise you, I am going to send you that file that I said I'd do last week, and we'll sort it out. But we're going to redesign the lack of focus, focus tokens, and I'm hoping to be able to get them out relatively soon. And um, I can't remember, did I say it on the show or did I say it after the show to you guys about the Dice Hate template? I so, think you mentioned I, that on show. On show, okay, that's fine. So yeah, um, they are right. Don't I? We had a back and forth of people making them, and I sent them some different images, like higher quality. So I think he just needs to do the hand painting on those. And um, I'm going to give that away to one of the patients for Christmas, I think. So we'll probably Aww. do we'll do the draw. I think if we do a draw on the show that will come out on December eighth, that will hopefully give enough time, like a couple of weeks before Christmas. Not like there's going to be any pandemic postage problems. I'm sure. Not um, at all. Not at time. all. It's fine. So maybe we'll do it in the January. Election's over. Maybe. The election's over. It's not going to be a problem, though. It's all going to go away. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to mention that because some people might not want spoilers for Mandalorian episodes one and two of season two, which is chapter nine and ten. You have been forewarned. There is yeah. not going to be any punches pulled. It, it, here is your opportunity. Now, now would be the time. If you don't want it to be spoiled, off you go. It was good talking to you. GTFO, if you want. I mean, not telling you to. It's it's up to you. You can you can listen. It's fine. I mean, you can even blame us and say how horrible people we are for having spoilers. But 
we're not going to care. So you and have did, been forewarned. You've been forewarned. Yeah. Okay. Holy crap. Um. All right. So chapter nine. Can we get? We'll get the big one first. Of all, uh, all right. So I think you should let me go first because I get to do all the stuff I want to do. You get to be shocked and appalled, and then we get to arrive at the same place at the end anyway. <laughs> so I would like how to take you, a moment. How do you know, how do you know I, that I'm going to disagree with you? Because you, I, how long have we been doing this kind of thing, Ed? Okay. <laughs> all right, I'm just... <laughs> oh, well, let's see. Okay. Can I take a minute to talk about fan service? You know, oh, like, Totally. Totally, yeah. absolutely. You know how much it's a bad thing when, like, oh man, the fan service in The Force Awakens is terrible. It's such a bad movie. It's just all fan service. I'm sick of it. Terrible. Oh man, Tatooine. Oh man, do you remember the Tusken Raiders? They're awesome. Oh, do you remember when we played Knights of the Old Republic and you've got to get that crate dragon to come out of its hole and then you beat it up and get your crate dragon pearl to put in your lightsaber? Oh, my Boba Fett is so cool. <laughs> what are you talking about, fan service? This is all legitimate content that I love. So, I mean, fan service is only bad if the thing you don't like does it, apparently. Like, if it if it's got Kathleen Kennedy and women in charge, fan service is bad. Terrible. Do something Whoa, new. Uh... Now you've got now 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 that 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 is that's the bridge I won't I can't follow you across. Sorry, because again, one of the who, who uh, one of the no, I can't follow you on that one. I was right with you until you jumped off that cliff. That one, I'm not following you. <laughs> um, I am on board. I dropped with the, to Force Awakens. I, I so thought it was I. fun. <laughs> so did I. I did feel that it was playing. Uh, it, it it tapped I, on the I'm, same. I'm beat. mocking the people who can will go full in on the fan service and all of the media they don't like, and blatantly ignore the fan service that's happening in the Mandalorian because like that crap was just filled with fan service, just gratuitous, like just in your face, like just. Oof. I, you know what would be cool? What about if we made the uh, the Marshall's bike be part of Anakin's pod racer? That's you liked, not confirmed. Well, you, liked, you like pod racing, yeah? That's oh. not confirmed. It is a pod oh, It's part of a pod racer. It's how not cool confirmed. would that be? The fans would lap that shit up. They probably wouldn't even ask how it didn't explode when it crashed uh, or how it managed to balance. Uh, and that's why I'm saying it's not confirmed. Uh, you... How would that even work? Strapping a seat to the side of a single engine and then it just balances, apparently. I mean, apparently. jump masters flying is one thing, but... <laughs> so, right, so, so there you go. Have you a chance to disagree about it being gratuitous, horrible, just fan service all the way through? I you don't can, know about... Uh... So, <laughs> it's interesting in the different takes that we had on this one. I will agree that the almost copy and paste mission from Knights of the Old Republic with the crate dragon is a thing. It is there. We can agree to that. I will agree that, uh, and if anyone doesn't think it's not, it absolutely is Boba Fett because it has, they've put it's all the same. The people, it's the same actor. <laughs> it's the same actor. Well, cause there's, there was some thought process that it could be another clone trooper who just happened to be there. But like when you start putting pieces together with Boba Fett's armor, like they went to a Sarlacc pit. I mean, they're, they're, they're blatant. They're, it's dripping with all of the blatant ABC connect to Boba Fett's still alive. I, I get that. So 
if we take those little pieces and set those aside for just a moment, I thought it was a kind of a cool story. So I liked it. I liked as, I said, as I said, we get to arrive at the same place. I fucking loved it, man. It's good. I, love- <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't care, but what I'm, what I'm fighting against is the people who are not in this conversation who will rip one finger apart whilst ignoring it and something else. Yeah, well, all right, so... Fan service to the point that he had to go back to Tatooine because he was told to go to because Tatooine had already been on in another episode before. We were returning to another seeing another character. We spent some time on the planet before. I totally get that. Tuscan Raiders being added into the story. It, to me, the whole thing had an old west, like spaghetti western kind of feel to it in multiple aspects. First of all, uh, Timothy Oliphant, who played the marshal in there. Um, the first time I was ever introduced to him as an actor was in the series Deadwood. Not in the office. I didn't know. No, I didn't see. No. It. I, I, I regretfully it didn't have, call. It didn't call Pam back, man. What a horrible person! Why would you call Pam? Person. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. My point being is, so the first time I ever saw, saw him or saw anything, any bit of his work was in Deadwood. The one of the other the the character who played behind the bar, the alien who's behind the bar playing the bartender, was voiced by E.B. Brown, who also played a character, Dan Doherty, in Deadwood. So the whole story just felt very old westy to me, not only from the actors that they chose to have in the show, but the storyline. I mean, it was really kind of a, a kind the of Mandalorian a, a, is just it, a it's big a samurai, it, it's, it's a samurai film, uh, a samurai series, which means it's a western series because they're the yeah. same thing. Yeah, it's basically the same thing. Yeah, I, I thought the story was cool. I thought the crate dragon looked really cool. I, I, I felt uh, so. One thing I didn't like was the visuals on the crate dragon. Was I would have. Pref- I don't like wormy dragons. I like real dragons. dragons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean that's just that's nothing to do with anything. I I'm allowed to be wrong here. And I know that I'm wrong because <laughs> they can make anything look like whatever they want. You know what I mean? Yep. But I I would have preferred a slightly more dragony head. That could, so for me, in magic terms, because this is an Ed thing, you know, mm-hmm. it's sure. more of a, it's sure. it's it's a worm, not a dragon. Correct. It has trample it's, and everything, you know. Yeah, but it's Star Wars, so like if they call yeah. it a creep, yeah, it doesn't have to have the wings. It doesn't have to. Yeah, I I see where you're going. Yeah. Um. And the only time we'd ever really seen one again was in the video game, and I think they did a. I thought it looked cooler in the in the series. That oh, yeah, it, said, looked, it looked cool, and I, and I wasn't I wasn't really disappointed or anything. It was more of a uh, cool. Yeah, I, this monster still looks cool and does its job, and is pretty big. Yep. So yeah, so I liked it. I like I liked. I liked uh, chapter nine. I thought it was kind of cool. It was a good episode. I liked the the condensed story as far as the whole you know outpost in the middle of nowhere kind of thing. The two groups of people trying to get together to defeat this big thing, and then oh by the way, little Easter egg at the end. Boba Fett's still alive, and then we move on. Yeah. I can't say the same about chapter ten. I think chapter eleven will determine how interesting chapter ten was. Exactly, because it feels uh, like it's part one of a two-part series. Yeah, chapter really ten. I I think it had some cool visuals in it and was very atmospheric, and but it suffers from the, the the typical thing of like, if she like, why does she get out of the ship with her eggs to go to a place that she doesn't know is there that turns out to be the nest? Right. Like, oh, I was convinced. If, if that makes it, any sense. 
No, it does. But if we're going to go down the fan service uh, parade for just a little bit, I was convinced there were going to be Wampas in there. There are going to be several Wampas. Because if we're <laughs> going to play, if we're going to play fan service, let's just hey, look, do you guys remember the Wampa? Let's toss that in there. Oh, uh, here's a whole bunch of here's a family of Wampas. Go for it. Like that's honestly that's what I was expecting, considering the amount of fan service was paid in the first one. So again, I think I'm still the, the, like that episode. The bit from this one, I think, was the uh, the jetpack right at the start. Yeah. That was the, uh, the, the fan service bit for this one. So I can't remember were they that kind of species of guys from. I think it reminded me of a scavenger who tries to take BB-8 on yes. um, on Jakku's. Oh. Yeah, that was that one character that I guess got edited out of The Force Awakens. Like, he was supposed to play a bigger role than he did, um, but he looked exactly like him. Yes, I agree. So yeah. there's still That's tiny good. It mean, means I didn't make that up in my in Chris's you head. Did not make, you did not make That's that good. up in your head. It's I don't know if it's the same species, but he definitely looked the same. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, the guy, it doesn't matter that they're on Tatooine, not Jakku, because I don't think either, I don't think the species would be native to either planet. It's just some guy. Well, that was um, that was funny, and a fun build up to a potentially an interesting story. I was a little bit surprised at the almost character pivot of like he took the job, and like the only reason he's ever broken his word before was to save a child. Now he's going to break his word to not save children. That felt a little bit like uh, a kind of. Unless you're resigned to just dying on this ice planet now, that's one thing, but... All right, so answer me this, then. How much time do you think he had actually to put in to do any repairs of the ship? Because that's one of the parts of the story that I felt like, well, wait a minute. So they crash through the ice, they've wrecked the ship, the, the Razor Crest is kind of in a busted up state, and he basically is like, all right, we're just going to die, and he stops. They go into the cave, they find these cave spiders, and all of a sudden the ship now can fly and they can link to the next planet. If that was an option, bef- if that's an option now, why wasn't that an option before? Why did they have to go through any of that? Why couldn't no, that's just- what I mean. Like, if he knows he can repair the ship, why is he out on carrying on the journey? If he can't repair the ship, like he he'd just lie to a woman and like, make her feel good. It's fine. Yeah, we'll, we'll be on our way soon. But, yeah. Um, I so, also yeah, that- don't know how comfortable I was this is like real side tangent, not a complaint. Um, but like, yeah, isn't it funny when baby Yoda just eats those babies? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's funny the first time, and I get it. But then, like, then it just became. So, like, are we scene. saying that is that is too stupid to like? Like, no, like, you know, like, murdering children's not good. Baby Yoda, you know, should probably stop. No, oh, what a what a cute little guy. Like. Can you imagine if that... Oh, uh, but it was cute when he ate a frog in the first season. That but, was really but, cute. There's a difference between eating a frog and eating in stuff that will grow up to be an intelligent life form. I, I, I'm not disagreeing. Like, can, I, can you imagine if that was Jabba the Hutt taking those little babies going to, go to work? Yeah, oh yeah, what people? About- yeah, but people have been disgusted. They are... Isn't it cute? Oh, it's funny. He told him not to eat those children. He's going back for another one. Ah. Oh, we have no idea how many he's eaten. That's my, that was my other question. I was like, so at some point in time, she's going to get there and go like, wait, there's only 12 in here. There were 28 when we started. Where the hell are they? Yeah. Uh, so that's the only bit of the episode 
didn't like it played on that a little bit too much for me but well it was like a sight gag that they just kept going back to they kept going back to that well over like it was, yeah. like you said it was the funny the first time you saw it happen but when it but, just became a reoccurring theme throughout the episode you're like because eh, I, I, I assume that baby yoda is supposed to have sorry i assume the child is supposed to be a character in the show and have some development and growth and doing that kind of stuff, I feel like stunts the story for him. Because, yeah. like, so is either smart enough to understand that this mudhorn is going to kill the person who's saving him and use the force to protect him, but not smart enough to realize that he's killing this woman's children? Yeah. Uh, Even after you know, he's been told multiple times not to do it? Yeah. So. Yeah. Like, it's, I think, but again, it's not I the think that's unscrewing the, uh, the, the gear knob. You know, it, right, it, right. Uh, there's so again, I think you're right. I think actions, it's, it's all going to be dependent on what the next episode brings as to whether or not I like or dislike. Because again, the, even the way that it ended, it was like, oh, okay. First of all, these X-wing pilots somehow managed to track him back down. Show up long enough to clear off all of so, the spiders. Are you sure, sure, X-wing pilots? I was fairly certain they were eagles. <laughs> Maybe, oh no, maybe. all hope is lost. Oh, the Eagles arrived. Yeah, oh, winner. But they didn't do anything. I think that's part of my other problem. So they stuck around long enough to help by killing all the spiders and then like left. Like, can't give me a lift? You can't like, 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 I don't. If so you're going they, to stop in, if you're going to stop and help, then what, do something like here's a repair pack. Like, here's something that I can do to assist you in your, in your. No, nothing. Just we're going to show up. We're going to end the story arc as far as the cave spiders and leave. I, I do like the fact that Mandalorian stole my D and D session as well. Oh, that was it, wasn't it? Like they, oh they put God. you in yeah, a cave even... and just like, oh, oh been... wow! I didn't even put those two together. You're right. For those of you who have not listened to the D and D, they're not there. They're not up to that yet. Spoilers! Oh uh, spoilers! Yeah, so those I won't spoil. That and we're spoiling all of this, but I'm not going to spoil that. You're right; they absolutely did do that. They just, they just ripped off my ideas, man. I, shot, oh, I, I, I recorded mine probably second because I'm sure their producers like last year, but it's fine. Yeah, but yours came out first. You get credit. <laughs> um, the other thing I'm not sure about, and again. So I would like to see the um, the pitch meeting like YouTube channel thing for this episode. So, like, <laughs> so I it's turned his transponder off because it transponds a bad yeah it broadcasts a bad code which would make him get in trouble and he doesn't need to. But then when they ask, he makes up some excuses and doesn't want to turn it on. And it's a whole lot of effort to not just have a false transponder. Like yeah. obviously I worked. And in the uh, craft industry, I know, like, you can you take a box out, you can change which number it broadcasts. It's not difficult. Pick a different one. Uh, if he can, if he can rebuild that spaceship, he can change his transponder code. Right. Um, I and I believe it's in Star Wars canon of ships having multiple transponder codes from uh, an even new canon as well, where they like change it to be something else. But that, how that entirely plays out is like, this has to happen so that the cool spider thing can happen. Yeah. And I, I get it. That's part of storytelling in a series when you don't have as much time and all of that. 
But then, as you say, the resolution to that, none of it meshes. Yeah. If you, it's definitely a, what are you doing thinking about this? This isn't a deep program. Just enjoy it. And I did. I did. I did not enjoy it nearly as much as I did the first episode. I felt that, so it's interesting because right right around the time the Mandalorian was getting started up, I was having conversations with people at work and everyone's like, oh, you know, well, what was your favorite episode? And I, of course, go down a couple of episodes I liked. And the one that came, like, repeatedly came up as everyone's least favorite episode from last season was the prisoner where they went onto the prison ship and they just felt like the story was kind of weak and it just didn't do anything for them. And I, Oh again, that was a horror episode. Was it? Was it? So so if if you watch it from the perspective of the Mandalorian sea hunter, that's a horror episode. And this one's a horror episode. So I kind of, Get yeah, I, 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 I'm not, I, I hadn't put that two and two together, but you're right. I agree now that you said that. Um, the problem I have with the, the, the Prisoner episode was, of course, that Bill Burr was in that episode, and I yeah. absolutely love Bill Burr. So, like, I, I, I have mixed feelings on that because from a story perspective, it was bad, but Bill Burr was in it, so I enjoyed it. <laughs> so I, uh, I really liked that episode because, I, because of the way it's presented. And like the switch in focus for it, and I think it's very clever and really well done. I really like this episode because I feel like there's a lot of really well done shot, like um, cinema cinematography and everything was really mm-hmm. strong in it. Like the spiders and the the movement and those scenes from running out of the cave and everything was really well done. Yes, um, and the tone of those bits was good, but I don't know. I so, saw. I I preferred this episode to the first one of season two because we went a fan service, I, or thereby lack of in this one because there wasn't yeah. much of any. No, but I, and I think that's part of my problem with the Mandalorian is I think so. I, I'm not throwing her under a bus, but I I watched episode uh, one of season two before Jill because um, over on the Crate Discord people were starting to talk about it, and I was like, well. I don't want to get it spoiled for me. I'm just going to watch it now because it was a Friday. Evie was in daycare, so I just sit down and have my lunch and watch it. And then I watched it again on like either Saturday or Sunday evening with Jill. And her first question was like, okay, how much baby orders in this one? On like a score of like zero to 10 baby orders, kind of just a joke question. It wasn't mm-hmm. a serious question, but I feel like the Mandalorian success is built upon its memes and the fan I do feel like there's a large part of the fan base which is just milking those member berries and the memes for baby Yoda. And that's where the enjoyment and success comes from. I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing. Uh, people are enjoying it and that's all that matters. Right. No, but I for agree, me, I I can agree with that statement there. Like how much baby Yoda is it is a key part to how much people enjoy it or not. The filthy casuals, how much they enjoy it. Mm. But I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I I look back on season one of A Mandalorian and I really enjoyed it. I would watch it again. I hope they keep making more. I'm happy it exists. I don't know that it's groundbreaking. I think there's like good parts of it. I don't think... I, it isn't Game of Thrones season one, season two levels of... Oh, God, of, no. Film, you yeah. know what I mean? Like there's the, the 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 it isn't deep. What what, what would I compare I don't, it to? Um, I don't. All right. So while you're thinking about that, I don't know that it needs to be deep. 
I think. No, no, I, my, I, I agree completely. Yeah, go on. Sorry, but I think my I genuinely feel like the purpose of this show is to start winning back some of the fandom that splintered off after Last Jedi and the Rise of Skywalker. I think that this show represents to Disney a course correction on a property that they're losing money on that they spent four billion dollars to acquire and haven't really been able to reap what they've sowed. So I genuinely believe that the writing style and the fan, even the fan service that's being put in is an attempt to not only appeal to new audiences with something cool that everyone's going to talk about baby Yoda. I've got my little so pop figure. At my I, I'm just, I want to interject momentarily no, on if you think the movies are what drives the money for Disney through Star Wars, you're solely mistaken. Okay, for Disney, no. And the reason for that is that where the money is made in the in those films, or at least traditionally was made with those when LFL was under Lucas, was the marketing, was the toys, was all of the other merchandising that came out of that. The problem that Disney has is nobody's buying their shit. Nobody's buying the toys. Nobody's buying all the other cool stuff that came uh, along with so, it. So no one's buying like the the latest Ray Kylo toys. But you think BB-8 still wouldn't sell? And I think I think I think in at Force Awakens, BB-8 did sell. I'm not going to lie. You can look in the background if you're. Oh, I can see him. I've yep. got my BB-8 right there. Right. So, all of this Lego is like post Force Awakens Lego. Yeah. Uh, well, it's all classic stuff, but that's all Disney money. Not, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And um, I think the Force, but the Force Awakens was a very different film than the other two. The Force oh, no, Awakens. I, I, you still I, had I your agree. contractors. You still had your people saying that J.J. Abrams took a shortcut, which I think he did, oh, and just rehashed so bits. Let's be honest now. Like you went to Galaxy's Edge because of work, but if you hadn't, have got, you would have gone to Galaxy's Edge still, but you would have bought yourself a lightsaber. Of course, I would have paid, absolutely paid to go for, and that's where that's what matters. Absolutely, that you, you will take your kids to Star Wars Land no matter what happened with the new trilogy. Correct, and that's I, I, that's what Disney care about. It's it's people through the gates of the parks and people buying a Lego, buying the toys, and having right. having yeah, a reason I, to get the kids into a Disney store. And, and uh, I agree, and I agree with that from that perspective, but that doesn't fall into the merchandising of that particular IP, in my opinion. So what really makes... It's it's strings to a bow, so isn't it? It's like, this is why they own Marvel. This is why, if they just own everything that is in popular culture, they get the money. Oh, you know what? I'm not going to support Star Wars. I'm going to go and buy some Iron Man merchandise instead. Oh, well. Oh, dear. Oh, darn. Oh, darn. (laughs) Boo fucking who for Disney. Yeah, I oh, wait. My point being, though, if I'm a corporation, I've invested $4 billion in a particular property and it's not doing well, it is a revenue stream that is not doing well. I want to. No, open- I, I agree that they could tap the revenue stream more if they made successful movies. Yeah. And I agree. Things, things that people want to watch and people are willing to pay, not only A, to pay to watch on Disney, Plus, but B, are going to run out and go and get Mandalorian. Um, merchandise i i myself the most recent like i said i i just said i went out and bought a i saw a baby yoda pop figure at michael's of all places my kids yeah. went to go and pick up and i saw it and i said i have to have it i have to own that because yeah. it's baby yoda yeah. because i enjoy the show just like i had to own bb8 because i enjoyed that 
Do yeah. I own a Snoke figure? No. no but I, do, do I own Sith Troopers that were never in a fucking film that they were made for? No. Did I even ever see Rise of Skywalker figures anywhere at all? No. No, but like, so I have uh, the Funkos for the Clone Wars, and I have a Krennic and a Death Trooper. Those are the Funkos I have. All right, yeah. But I think the my bigger concern to kind of bring it back onto Mandalorian, my only concern and worry for it is at the moment it's good and it's enjoyable, but I don't, I want it to succeed on its own merits. So that's why I enjoyed this episode 10 because it was just the Mandalorian. Yeah. Nothing about it drew on anything else because my worry is they pull a soaker in. Um, Oh, they pull. Yeah. They, no, no, they pull Sabine in, and Sabine has her dark saber story arc or whatever, and they pull this character in, and I don't want them to lock down every. Like, I would like them to have their own show or their own book series or their own comic book run. I don't want the Mandalorian to hog everything through cameos for fan service. If you're going to do it, I want it to be a real story arc. So if Boba Fett is in this story arc, I'm in. Yeah, and that's the concern. That's the concern. If Boba Fett is in because it's cool to have Boba Fett, that's worrying. And then he never does anything else ever in the TV series, period. Then it's a wasted opportunity. I agree with that 100%. And now we could get on to the theory crafting of... Do you actually want Boba Fett to come back? Because if you like Boba Fett as a character, the only thing that can happen is Boba, if Boba Fett comes back is he wants his armor back, and he can't have his armor back because he's not a real Mandalorian. So are you going to kill a Mandalorian in the show called a Mandalorian to give a non-Mandalorian the chance to get his armor back? You're fucking no. not, are you? So Boba Fett has to fail again and show what a fucking loser he is. <laughs> You're making the assumption that Boba Fett wants his armor back. I think if Boba Fett wanted his armor back, he'd have his armor back. He'd have just gone and killed the Marshal. I think we're going to see a very... It, personally, myself, I want them to continue the... The short answer to your question is yes. I want Boba Fett to be part of the story of the Mandalorian. However, I want to see a broken, damaged Boba Fett. I want to know where no, he's you, been. You mean watching some, some guy with a purple lightsaber chop your dad's head off isn't damaging enough? Jesus, Ed, you're some cruel guy. But something happened. So, like, yeah. it's been five years. He's been on the same planet where his armor is. He could have walked into that town at any time and taken it back if he wanted. He didn't. It's too busy getting the gaffy stick, man. He didn't want to return to the Do bounty hunter Do you think Boba Fett killed the women and the children, too, to get his gaffy stick? Did he eat them? Uh, did he kill the women? <laughs> like, did he kill them all like animals, like the women and the children, too? Even the women like, and the children? Maybe. Yeah, just all of them. I, I, I'm more inclined to... Th- I think you're going to find in this, uh, this is pure, pure speculation. I have nothing to base his mind. You're going to find a pacifist Boba Fett. He's become like a Buddhist monk Boba Fett. And he, like, he only carries the weapons for self-defense and for hunting. Like, that's the reason why he's not bounty hunting. That's the reason why he didn't go back. He had his experience in the stomach of the Sarlacc pit and decided that he did not want that life anymore. And he's just comfortably living his life out in the desert. And he's going to be pulled in, not because he wants to, but because he has to kind of thing. Like and again, if I'm writing the John Favreau, call me, call me, man, call me. I I can help write this shit. I can. And you're gonna have this damaged Boba Fett who's walked away from this life for five years, hasn't picked up his rifle, and has been pulled back into the world because he has to fight for for something. 
I, do you know what the real a real like thing you do is you have him living in Ben Kenobi's house. Don't do that. Come on. Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> think about it, man. Like Yoda lived near the dark side cave on Tatooine. Boba Fett and Young live in Ben Kenobi's house. This would be some like residual light side force energy so, there. You know you know there's a fan theory that he was one of the um, Tusken Raiders that was sitting there. Like They're having that little conference where the Mandalorian is talking to the Tusken Raiders and trying to figure out where this town is. That there was this one Tusken Raider that was kind of sitting off to the side. There's this fan theory that that was really Boba Fett. That he's just... That the Tusken Raiders, like, no one really knows what they really look like. And there could be anybody underneath there that maybe he's is just it one of the Tusken Raiders. new canon or old canon for that Tusken Raider Jedi? I think that's, that's old. old I think that's legends. That's old yeah. canon. It does. Yeah, he he was in a comic book. Uh, yeah, so that's old canon. You're right. But the, the, if they they've been pulling in a lot of stuff from from oh Ian, yeah, um, I just couldn't remember if if it was. It's, it's old not Disney new. canon. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not Disney canon. No. But my point being is like he very well could have walked away from that life, and I, I'm just saying like you're right in the fact that I agree. If Boba Fett's return was just a hey, cool look, Boba Fett. And then we never hear from or see from the character again. If Ahsoka Tan is in the in the in one episode and it's hey look, Ahsoka, and then she's off, and then Sabine Wren's in one episode and then gone. And it begins to detract from the story, it just becomes a story of cameos and yeah. not the it's story just, of the Mandalorian. Uh, I, don't, and I agree with you. That is poor writing at at, at the highest level. Yeah. But I uh, it's not I Ryan feel Johnson like level, people would fucking lap it up. And sure, like, it can, I mean, it can I be agree. worth it. I, I think it's more damaging than what Ryan Johnson did in the long I, run. I think the real damage was like Ryan Johnson lays the groundwork for damage to be done. Then JJ comes back in and really trashes everything. It's like he tried to fix the, the house by knocking it down to its foundation. Yeah, no, I yeah, agree. I, 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 agree I think that's because I, I said a lot that I was only going to judge them as a trilogy. And the more and more I look back on it, like it's a terrible trilogy because it isn't a trilogy. It's three films that are completely different messages all the way through. It's terrible. Completely um, disjointed, have no continuous story once th- one way through the yeah. other. Yeah, and I, I've argued with um, with Ryan um, from Fly Better about it. It's like, I agree that um, The Last Jedi is probably a really good film. It's just a terrible Star Wars movie to be in the saga. Yes. Right, because the Skywalker saga should probably not try to destroy the Skywalker saga. Just yes. saying. Uh, if yeah, you want to do... It cannibalize itself. It, uh, yeah, it, just be a standalone film. I think it could have worked. And all of my complaints about it are all really in-universe things that I don't like, like laser trajectory and the hyperspace thing and all of that stuff. Those mm-hmm. are the things that I really dislike, which from a... If that's a standalone sci-fi film, are irrelevant. I, I, it's impossible for me to hold those things against it. If it's not a Skywalker saga film. But it is. Yeah, that's, that's why I don't like it. Yep. I have nothing with the actual film. It's the Star Wars movie side of it, if that makes any sense. I don't yeah, know no, it makes perfect how to sense. articulate those feelings. And but then... Having like, reflected on it for years, I can agree with your statement. Like, If it had been any other movie, it was probably pretty good. It, pro- it sub- subverted a lot of expectation, which is really what he was going for. The problem is... He picked the yeah. wrong audience to do that to and the yeah. wrong story to do it with. Yeah. And then uh, I came out of the last one really having enjoyed it, but I haven't watched it again. I've only seen, um, I can't remember what it's called. Rise of Skywalker. 
yeah, I've only seen Rise of Skywalker once. Can't even remember what it's called anymore. Yeah. I'll buy it when it comes out as a trilogy box set. I'll buy it. I'll probably then buy the nine film box set when that comes out. And like, you'd be a liar if you said you want to. Let's be honest. The, oh, all right. So the only reason, first of all, I own um, Blu-ray copies of four, five, and six. The only reason I would ever consider repurchasing those is if they release the theatrical reviews again. I don't know. I, if they did all nine films in one nice box set as a, a full set that was just going to look cool on the shelf, you'd buy it because it would look cool on the shelf. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. I, I, I I'm not going to lie to you. I, I will 100% buy that when it comes out. And we know it will. But Of course I, I, I have Disney+. Plus. I haven't watched um, like Rise of Skywalker again. No. I feel that that's telling. And I, I haven't watched Last I Jedi again I either. I've seen that movie three times. Yeah. I saw it the first time. I had to see it a second time to make sure I took it in the correct way. I watched it the third time because I was flying back from Scotland on the way back and there was nothing else to really watch. And I'm like, all right, maybe I'm taking this wrong. I watched it a third time and I fucking hated it every three, all three times. <laughs> I had to go and see how it all ended. Had to watch that again just to make sure. And I've never seen it again. Of see, those I intend, two movies, yeah. I've seen them five times total. Yeah. I how many times have I seen episode four? Oh, that point. Hundreds? Yeah, but- how many Hundred? how many times have you had the opportunity to see episode four? If if you watched it once a day, like if you watch the new see, the new ones once a day, you'd still have more chance to watch the other ones. I'm not ashamed to say that I knew every line to that movie when I was in high school in 1997, yeah. right before the re-releases came in out. They re-released the original theatrical versions before the special editions came out in the theater. I was not old enough to watch Empire or um, a new hope in the theater and i barely barely remember watching jedi did i spend a weekend watching all three of those movies again even though i'd seen them already knew every beat of that movie just to get the theater experience of seeing those apps fucking lootly did i do that yeah well i don't know and i i i want to have faith that mandalorian is going to be different and i'm enjoying it i enjoyed it but i enjoyed watching the Rise of Skywalker, and I haven't come back and watched it again. I mm-hmm. haven't come back and rewatched Mandalorian. I I've watched it twice because I think I was watching it, and then I'd watch it with Jill. So I'll do the same with this one. So I'll watch season two twice. But you know what I mean? It. it I don't know. I it's I still cool. I buy I buy the Star Wars hardback books, and then I download them on Audible. So I'm paying twice for the, the novels in Star Wars at the moment. I've been slowly filling up my back catalogue of the um, the Disney comic books for Star Wars. So I still like the setting. I still love everything about it. I do, I'm still throwing money (laughs) away in a pandemic where I can't even play with my toy spaceships. But I worry that that, I don't want it to end up just becoming fan service all, all the way down. I don't mind, you know, you scratch the surface and there's a little bit in there. But, and I, it's hard to say because I don't feel like the Mandalorian needs to be deep. It doesn't have to have subtext and all of that. It can just be an enjoyable show. But I don't want them to close too many other doors in doing that, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. Yeah, I I, I, I think we can both be in agreement. Like, the, fan service is great. It's fine. I get why they're doing it. Totally understand it. Really? Was I excited when I'm like, it's Boba 
percent. Of course I was. Absolutely I was. Yeah. But you're right. I don't want that to be the only time we ever see him. He needs to be part. He now needs to be incorporated into the story. It's like one of the things that I. So the first, I'm, I'm going back to the first couple of episodes of season one for Mandalorian. And we got that really cool character that was voiced by Nick Nolte. We got that other cool character. We got the, the IG 88 droid. I'm sorry. He was an IG droid, the IG droid. And then we have these other characters. And I'm like, those are such cool characters. How do they not bring them back? How do they only ever use the droid for one shot? Oh, they brought him back. They brought him back into the story yeah. and then they uh, helped build that character up. I liked that. So I should quantify about Boba Fett specifically because obviously I've read all the Chuck Windig, Windig uh, aftermath yeah, books, which basically tells the story of a marshal getting the armor and everything. And it's hinted that Boba Fett makes it out because the armor's found at the side of a Sarlacc pit, not like in the. They don't pull it yeah. out of its stomach. Yeah, they didn't, so, they didn't carve it out of his stomach. So he, Boba Fett takes the armor off, so it's implied that he got out, and then we hear nothing. So then we see this in The Mandalorian. So I'm on board for that to be the only shot of Boba Fett we see, as long as you then give me the Boba Fett comic book or the Boba Fett novel. If you give well, me something else, because you you are a cross-media franchise, like, Star Wars is everything. Like, hell, if you want to do a Bubba Fett computer game that tells the story, I'm in. That Then you get the pass, but don't just do it because it's Bubba Fett and you know people will love it. Yeah. It, it, make, it, it cheap. make it be for something, yeah. It seems cheap. Oh. It would che- I agree. I completely agree. And like, you don't, I don't care if I don't see it for, like, for the Aftermath books supposed to have been out for like seven years now. Something like that. I don't. When was Force Awakens out? Twenty fifteen, maybe five years. That sounds about right. Something like that. Yeah, twenty fifteen. So Force Awakens corset came out when we were at Nova. I think that was twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it must be. And we all rushed uh, to a room because the damn trailer came out for the movie. Yeah. So <laughs> and we watched it three times. Like you're talking five years between. Oh, Boba Fett's probably alive. To we got to see Boba Fett and confirmation that he's alive. I don't care if it's two years down the line, you give me something else. That's okay. But don't just rush it for the instant gratification. Now, don't cave to that, you know, social pressure that exists. But you know what I mean? That cultural instant gratification thing that is modern life. Now, this is relatively deep philosophical talk for it is two episodes into season two. But I don't know. That's how I feel about Star Wars in general at the moment. Yeah, same here. Same here. Like, I want it to be good. Uh, don't cheapen it. I- I'm really curious to see where they go with... Because we all know that Ahsoka is going to be in this season. I'm curious to see where that goes. Did they announce that Sabine Wren was going to be in? Or is that no, just it's, because it's of more the Darksaber? because of the Darksaber. It's, yeah. Like, the last person we know had it was Sabine giving it to... Um, Somewhat, I can't remember her name now, but in Rebels, basically, Sabine has it and hands it off, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But like, we know we know that Sabine lives through the rebellion. I believe so this is probably somebody who's for other stuff now that we've not mentioned. But you know, like, we know that X number of people are around because I believe, spoilers for Rebels, mm-hmm. I believe at the end of Rebels, Sabine and, Aso- and Hera go off to look for Ezra. I can't remember exactly. I might be cool. making this up. No, you're but not I'm pretty it sure that's what happened. And that's mm-hmm. like, that's this point in the timeline, I believe, like a few years after Endor. So you could have Sabine and Hera with the Mandalorian going looking for Ezra. 
Correct. As a story arc. Which could be cool. So, that yeah. could be cool. Yeah. If that's what you know, Yeah. And that's that's all of the stuff you got. And yeah, I don't know. I'm just a little bit like, there's a lot of scope to do cool things with it. And I don't mind if they do. But what were we? So me and Jill were talking about this last night. So we had some friends. So that's why it's relatively tidy back here now. Uh, we had some <laughs> friends over last night for one of their birthdays and had a few drink, drinks and were chatting. We got talking about me and Jill have just finished watching Parks and Rec. We'd never seen it before. And uh, so, yeah, a lot of people, my friends are saying, a lot of people felt like the last season was gratuitous fan service and like, it should have ended the season before. I was like, oh, I can see that. But alternatively, how often do you get a last season that meticulously goes through and ties a little bow on every potential question you could ever ask for any character arc? And I was like, that's like it. I'm not hyperbole. It was shit. I agree. The last season was not as good as previous ones, but it was infinitely better than season eight Game of Thrones. Oh god! And, and watching it, I just had the thought of this is nice. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It just have... it felt it felt just closure. Like I don't need to see any more of this ever again. Like it's not like Friends were. I wonder what, like. Ross and Rachel, do they get married? Do they have kids? That, you know, what happens there? Whatever Maybe. happens there. Yeah, but like when they jump like 20 years into the future for Parks and Rec, and, you know, this is what happened to those guys in the future, you know what I mean? So, yeah. I've I, never seen Parks and Rec, so I don't know. Oh, you should I, watch it. Last season yeah. can be shit, but it, it ties a bow on it. So they basically, they move at the end. So they're moving away from their friends. They have a party, and it's like a double part episode where every time she has a moment saying bye to one of the characters, you do the time jump of like three years into the future, and then if you need to to wrap up their story, it goes as far into the future as it needs to to close out their story. Oh, that's cool! In a really convenient little, and it's shit. It's a hundred percent terrible fan service, but it's just nice. Well, so one of my all time favorites. We is going to be a complete aside. It's going to be a complete tangent. I loved Firefly. Firefly was one of my one of my all time favorites. Um, it only ever got one season. Fox mishandled it and then shit canned the whole thing. We did get a. <laughs> have fan... you seen? Have you seen the meme for uh, why Mandalorian is definitively the best sci fi space western series, destroying Firefly, and it's irrefutable because season two. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, Chad was kind enough to tag me in that. Thank you ass um <laughs> my point however when disney bought fox they bought them. i'm just saying if you, disney again i know february you you so you're, you're saying that river town is a disney princess is that where you're going with this she could be she could be my point being in the uh, admittedly did, it's it, been did i get the name right yeah you did river Tam. <laughs> nothing but net nothing but net point being if if disney wanted to they could do an animated series Use the same character, uh, use the same actors for the voice acting because obviously they've all aged. Um, and of course, uh, the Did one the, of the actors, preacher died, yeah, Ron Glass passed away, so yeah. they can't actually use him. Um, ignore Serenity. I, I, I love that the fan movie got made and they tried to do their best to button up some story arcs. Uh, it didn't do a very good job. Uh, anyone that and it killed Wash, let's just get there. It killed like, Wash, uh, they're like spoilers, man. Go <laughs> if you have <laughs> like yeah, a leaf sorry. in the wind. Like a leaf in the wind, it killed off a character that it shouldn't have. And one of the main, my point being is if Disney really wanted to, 
they could do an animated series, pull all of the original voice actors in. Nathan Fillion's been pre- preaching this for a decade that he'd love to do a season two and do a genuine season two and season three and button up that whole story. And I think it would do really well. I think it would do really well. I think you need to wait and see how something like the Critical Role animated TV uh, show does and things like that um, for adult animation kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. generally the animated shows that have succeeded are the ones that they can sell on two levels as like the kids and the adults. There's not as many where it's just for the adult. Like, I suppose you did, was it Castlevania, the animated one on Netflix? And Castlevania. Did I get a second? Did I get a second it, it got season? a second. It's got a third coming. And okay. that has been really good. James Callis uh, doing the voice of Alucard in that uh, from Battlestar Galactica fame. Love that. Well, yeah, I don't know. We're, we're like scratching at the boundaries of Chris's nerddom knowledge now where I can only pull <laughs> so many references. So I, I seem like I give off the illusion of being an, a knowledgeable host here. Mm-hmm. My point being is I genuinely feel like a, I hate saying the word adult oriented because it sounds dirty in some way but in, in but you, you don't series, necessarily want some hentai you just want it to be a bit of an anime you know yeah well i mean you do have a nara you do have companions there is some there's a little bit of that but and, i mean but you don't need a tentacle monster you just want to have a normal sex scene in your cartoon right right exactly right, okay, okay. exactly yeah you know, in some chi- some Chinese swearing and some I old mean, west kind of thing. I'm and... pretty sure if you typed in Rule 34, you could already watch it, so it's fine. You know, <laughs> Rule 34, flight, don't Google this. Please don't do that. Don't if you do that. Protect private browsers. Yes, yes. Turn that turn that on. Don't ever let yeah VPN that <laughs> while you're at it, just, just to be sure. <laughs> oh dear. Um, no, I mean, what's was that? I'm kind of getting ready to wrap it up because we've been going for a little while on this mm-hmm. tangent topic, but like, I would like more of a focus away from the kids' side of the animation for Star Wars. So I feel like, and this is just purely selfish, but the animated shows tell really strong stories, and then you get away. And, episode. Yeah, I, I don't mind. I don't mind that, but like. If you remove the need, especially because you can do it on Disney Plus now, mm-hmm. so you're not catering to the <clears throat> Cartoon Network, you're not catering to Nickelodeon, you're catering to a very defined audience. So it all rides on how well Mandalorian does, and then obviously the Ewan McGregor Obi Wan stuff. And and if Sean if Sean were here, he'd be on board with Ewan McGregor taking a dump too. for two hours. Yeah, you know what I mean? So all of these, if they do well and just flesh out the the mythos, I, I'm on on board, I'm in. And though, like, those are your places where you can tell the deeper stories. So the fact that The Mandalorian is your... I think I said this after when we discussed the first season. It is literally a 1980s spaghetti western samurai sitcom. You know, it it's kung fu, it's Oh. I can I can draw you a better analogy. It's Star Trek: The Next Generation, and I want deep I want Deep Space Nine. I, I don't. Know. I wouldn't go that it's the Next Generation per se, purely for the feel of the show. But like, I I think it Isn't feels it? to me. I I can't remember. Is it the the Wolf and the Kid? I can't remember what the Samurai TV show was or whatever or a book or novel or thing. But 
it's it's one hundred percent just based on that, like avatars, dancing with wolves kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, but it feels to me like um, Luther Igno and the Incredible Hulk. That's what it feel. It's that kind of he's walking away, <laughs> just sad, sad. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. He's got, he can't, and he's got that feeling. He can't settle down because he's got the, the child. So he's always going to be moving from place to place, and it it lends itself to that kind of storytelling, which is very. I'm not going to say outdated as a negative term now because it it works for what they're trying to present, but it leaves you hungering for something that it's never going to give you, which yeah. is why I think like, that it's living on the fan service and that's relatively concerning in the long term i i guarantee i i in fact yeah i will bet so i will bet you right now because i don't have anyone else to bet right now to accept the bet i will bet you um whatever the latest star wars computer game comes out is on whatever system um that we get four, at least four seasons of a Mandalorian. Yeah, I would think so. I would think yeah. that they would probably run the, especially with some of the stuff that we've heard about with Pedro Pascal not necessarily being particularly happy about being inside the mask and that they're switching over to the stunt guy doing all the physical and him just doing voiceovers. I think you could do that for forever, almost. Yeah. I I think I'm relatively certain season three is always already confirmed. So it's not exactly a stretch of a bet to bet for one more after a one that's already confirmed. If it is, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure. I thought they were filming those back to back. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm relatively sure they have like another one already in the pipeline. But like it, even if it is gratuitous fan service, you can milk four seasons out of that before people start looking at it and going, wait a minute. But, but there, I don't there's know. Not a, yeah, there's not a lot here. <laughs> like, sure, it's cool the first time you see it. But... Uh, do, you, do you think if at the end of season two, we find Mummy Yoda and Daddy Yoda and we give Baby Yoda to them and then he goes on his way? No. No, I think they're going to milk the baby yoda search for his people story for a while for the worry the worry for that is that it then becomes firefly where it's impossible to wrap it up because you can't wrap it up until you can't afford another season no that's true like baby yoda is like 50 something years old now Mm-hmm. Because that's established that when he asks him to go and find some fifty-year-old in like the first episode, isn't it? When he takes on the job, correct. We know that Yoda lives to be eight, like teaches Jedi for eight hundred years. Have I been teaching Jedi or whatever? So like, we assume that Yoda was around like eight or nine hundred years old. Correct. You're not going to have nine hundred so, years of Mandalorian. <laughs> no, but what I mean is like, at what point? Does he learn to talk and not be a child, like not be a baby? Because Yoda can talk. So the the species is capable of vocalization. It's weird because I I had this moment. I had this moment when I was watching episode one, whenever, maybe it was episode two, um, when he was eating the the children, eating the young. I was like, at what point in time do we get teenage brooding Groot, baby Yoda? Like, I'm playing a video game in the corner. I don't want to like, at what point in time does that happen? Cause eventually it's going to have to happen. Like that's the child's going to have to grow up and it's interesting. You're going down that road and like, does it lose its, 
Well, no, that's what I mean. Like, I think you have to, for it to have closure on a story side of it, it has to be returned to his people. And then, does the Mandalorian work uh, without Baby Yoda? Because, taking into account, we were excited to watch this before the child existed. Correct. Because that was extremely well hidden. We had no idea. Yeah, that was that was a surprise. Yeah. So, but can you go back? Have they written themselves into a thing where it's just a gimmick show now? Is it an odd, is it an odd couple show that you can never know? Like, are we watching Two and a Half Men without Charlie Sheen if we take out Baby Yoda? Mm, are we watching the Baby Yoda show? The Mandalorian's kind of like a B character. That's that's the real question. That is the real yeah. question. I would hope that they are brave enough to conclude that story arc because I think there are more stories to tell. Yeah, that involve just this character. That yeah. It doesn't become the Baby Yoda I, show. As much as I would like to see an adult child where he can talk and has a name and can actually interact, I would like to see that. I don't want, I say, I don't want the parenting years. Yeah. And that's why him just eating the children bothered me because that implies that he's still incapable of knowing right from wrong, which means that it's 50 years is three-year-old level. Mm-hmm. So we then get to a point. So well, it's impossible, and we're looking at him having to be like two hundred years old before you can do anything interesting with it. And then he's just yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. So that's why no, so- I think you either hand it off and close the story arc, but I I don't think that'll happen in season two. You don't even see it at the end of season two if they decided to no. go that well. Not filming, but I, I know. I just know. I don't think they will. I if they do, I will be surprised, and I would I, I would think I will be happy with that. But I th- I would be extremely surprised. So I think it's too easy. There's there's enough eating something that he shouldn't jokes to tell. Yeah, that's true. Which we'll I don't know. See, we'll I see. feel like I don't. I feel like that's being overly harsh because, as I said. This is I can give my classic analogy. In fact, we're we're not watching Shawshank Redemption. We're watching the Pacific Rim. <laughs> this is the you're right, yeah. and it is enjoyable to watch. Yeah. So I don't I I can criticize it. It doesn't mean it's not enjoyable. I yeah. I still look forward to watching it every Friday. Yep. I'm I look forward to watching well. that. I look forward to watching it again with Jill. So that's where I am with Mandalorian season two. I think I've. Come to a similar place. I want it's to see almost where it like goes. I called that when we started talking at know? the beginning of this one. <laughs> the beginning yeah. of this one. It is. I said we we'll go through. You'll disagree with me, and we'll have our bits, and then we'll end up in the same place. End up in the same place. Look and you that. were like, "You don't know me. How do you know <laughs> we'll have the same thoughts?" Yeah, yeah I guess you do. You know me well yeah. enough. <laughs> All right. I think now's a good time to button up. Not too much fact. It's getting late and I've got to get yeah, to work tomorrow. Yeah, we did so. ramble a little bit too long on that end bit. So okay. um, thanks for sticking with us, everyone. Hope you, uh, if you did stick with us, enjoyed the spoilers and discussion. Let us know your thoughts. Um, try and not spoil it in the general discord. I'll make sure there is somewhere to talk about it. Maybe in the Patreon section. Or I'll do a spoiler channel somewhere. Um, but yeah. Love, love it. Let us know what you think. And um, I say you can reach us on Facebook, on Lack of Focus Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us at Dice Hate as well on Facebook. 
you can email me at um, info at dicehead.com. It's got its own email address, which I always forget to tell Woo-hoo. people about. Um, you can join a Discord. There's links in the show notes. And yeah, Head's got a YouTube channel. I've got a YouTube channel. Old Guy Gaming and Dice 8. It's really easy. Just come watch us do stuff. Come and play Squadrons with us. Do all the good, good stuff. And if you would like to support the show, you can support us on Patreon. We charge by episode. So you can put a cap on lots of people have actually done it. Well, I was checking up on everything and I was surprised how many people were, had actually succeeded and taken the advice and put a cap on and things like that. So it was good to see that the advice is going heeded. It's unusual Ooh. for podcast advice, I know. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, if you can throw us a dollar or whatever, you know, skip having coffee one morning. really appreciate it. It helps pay for all of the hosting and the editing stuff. So, um, And then, theoretically, it pays for all of that. But what it actually pays for is for me to give stuff away again and all of the swag. So we do have stuff to give away this time. Because uh, uh-uh. our good friend, Paul LaRue, has sent us some more cards, which were... These were new exclusive cards that had never been seen before. But then my friend who he gave them to just never gave them to me for a long, long time. So they're now old and collectible cards. So even better. Woo-hoo. So we have some resistance cards. Oh, so we have good. Paul Damron. I wanted to keep them, but he only gave me one set. I was really, really sad. Uh, Paul Damron, Greer, and Zizi. Um, all really cool artwork. Uh, we're going to give these ones away. Then I have some Imperial ones as well, which we'll give away on the next show. So thanks, Ooh. Paul. You can check him out at paularoo.com. I believe it. I'm going to type this in to make sure I uh, don't mess this up. Dot com. Let's see what that pulls up. Please be Yeah, paularoo.com. Yes, I was correct. I'll put a link in the show notes for this one. And... Um, yeah, go and check out all his X-Wing artwork. He does some uh, really cool stuff. I really like the colored backgrounds on these. He make them really pop and extremely nice. And, yeah. Do you want to grab a D20? Got or do it. I have to random number generator we're in? Nope, I got it. On the ball. Okay. Oh, Jesus Christ. Let me know when you're ready. I'll just blaspheme everyone. Um... I'm not ready because it's logged me out of Patreon, so I've got to log back in. No, not you. I need to go to lack of focus. I hate this sometimes. It's okay. I, I could have edited this out, but you can enjoy the anticipation with us. Not now. So yeah, I just have to click on this and it'll let me log into Patreon. And then we can get our list of Patreons. Okay, I am ready. And Roll away. I came up with a seven. Two, three, four, five, six. So that is Paul Chapel. So, Paul, I will send you some nice Paul LaRue X-Wing cards. Um, As I believe I've discussed in the past, the way I've been doing this is trying to group them together into lots so I can send out uh, stuff in bulk. So I do have some other swag and goodies that I'm going to send out to everyone. So everyone will get something, but... Paul, you have won some Olaru uh, resistance cards, and I'll Ooh. add them to your stack. And yeah, 
if you would like to be in the, with a chance to win all of this good stuff, including a, a set of lack, um, dice hate maneuver templates, which I can't show off yet because they're not arrived, you can support us on Patreon. Here Excellent. We go. I, I will let Ed say his goodbyes, and then we are done. All right. So I do appreciate everyone tuning in. It was, of course, it was a ton of fun. I think we'll probably go on another Mandalorian tangent, maybe another two weeks. We got two more episodes we can go into. Who knows? We'll see what the next ones are like. <laughs> but I do appreciate everyone tuning in for this one and sticking around if you did this long. So, as always, until next time, Chris, always fun talking to you, my friend. <laughs> it is always fun listening to and you mess up the end. <laughs> I did totally mess up. I threw you <laughs> off because I went straight into causing Meister fight rather than letting you, you did? introduce you did. I, well, I that's... assume you'd be professional enough to just roll with it. No, I'm getting, <laughs> getting tired. I'm, I totally messed it up. If it makes you feel any better, I did my lack of focus being in my first recording of my video yesterday. And I went, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So until next time, guys, as always, fly casual. Thank you once again for joining the Lack of Focus X-Wing podcast. Check out Dice Hate Productions for all the latest episodes, and we'll be looking forward to seeing you again next episode.